got my second cup of coffee ready to party yeah it will i will be very interested to see how this one goes if uh if it will be longer or shorter than the other one because i'm looking at it and it looks like i took twice as many notes and oh i'm not boy. sure why <laughs> autobots transform and roll out Well, hey, man, welcome back for another thrilling episode of Two Mikes, Two Furious Animated Transformers. This is the show where you are, Mike, as we talk about Transformers Animated one episode at a time. My name is Mike Seibert. I have never watched Transformers Animated before this project. And joining me, as always, right about now, it's the Spark Soul brother, it's Serial <laughs> Rewatcher, uh, Michael Andrews. Thanks for joining me, buddy. Yeah, I'll, God, I love that. I just need to reiterate how much I love Spark Soul brother. Let's, we got to get that remix somehow. <laughs> Check it out now. <laughs> yes, beautiful. Oh my How's gosh, it going, so Mikey, how you doing? You know, I I'm doing great. Uh, the, we're we're in the dog days of summer. You might even say the dog days are over. I uh, I recently <laughs> watched that that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three on the on the Disney Plus, and I uh, I, I like that movie quite a lot. But uh, but before we get into our episode today, we are talking about in our episode thirteen. <gasps> we're uh, <laughs> we're talking about Transformers Animated Episode Thirteen Headmaster, but before before we get into that, um, let's uh, in, in the spirit of summer vacation, uh, what uh, what you been up to? Oh well, thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, I actually had a lot of fun uh, this weekend, and I can't say this is like Transformers animated focused in any way. So everyone's going to have to deal with a little bit of a tangent out there. But I went and did some toy shopping, hardcore toy shopping on Saturday, and it was it felt so good. A because I hadn't done it in a while, and B. Um, there is this hidden gem of a toy store in Menominee, Wisconsin. So if mm. anyone's in the Menominee, Wisconsin area, I, I, uh, crossed the party lines as it were and crossed over into <laughs> Wisconsin <laughs> yesterday. Uh, and I just had the best time. Uh, this place is called K and B toys and you know, Menominee is very beautiful. It's like historic in downtown. There's great places to eat. Um, we stopped at this place called Log Jam and like every beer on tap was a local beer or at least a Wisconsin beer. The the meat was uh, locally sourced. The cheese curds, obviously, oh, Wisconsin nice. locally sourced. Sure, sure. Just such a great day. Um I as you as I mentioned last episode, probably I'm I'm a big beer fan. So um, you know, they have this brewery there called New Glarus in Wisconsin that oh, is yeah. like you've maybe you've heard of it, but it's very exclusive. It's a very highly sought after beer by Minnesotans because um, they don't allow it to be sold here. So it's kind of like it's kind of like fireworks for adults, right? Like you have to like cross the border and and buy it and bring it back over. Um, Wait a sec. Hang on. Hang on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to torpedo us in tangent really quickly. But like I think I heard it. <laughs> how? How? I mean, like, how, like I don't understand the illegalities. It's like, I mean, is is Minnesota like a dry state? Do you live in a dry town or something? Like, no, but I like, think like, I, yeah, I think you need like special permits to to kind of like export, you know, 
over state lines as far as beer goes. I guess I don't know exactly how it works, but they Got it. they kind of have such an exclusive thing going. They they don't really want to like like it has become a destination for Minnesotans, you know, a rite of passage to to dip over into Wisconsin to get that beer. In fact, I don't okay. know if you remember seeing this in the news. It was kind of big news, but um a bar in Minnesota was crossing the border, buying it at a liquor store and bringing it back over and selling it in their bar, which very illegal to do that. Gasp. Uh, but for they were their big advertising claim for a while was like we we're carrying, you know, New Glarus beer and then they got in huge huge trouble and probably don't even exist anymore, but They they got the chair for it. Yeah. yeah. Freaking <laughs> freaking like lethal injection they for don't those mess around in Wisconsin. It, 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 they skyhooked like, him right out of uh, Minnesota, brought him yeah. back to Wisconsin Whoa. to be yeah. tried. Yes. The Batman himself came with his skyhook and just yanked him right out of the it's, Wow. It's a big deal, I'm telling you. No extradition. Right. <laughs> oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, thank, you for, thank you for indulging me. But yeah, yes, no, that, that was great. Uh, yeah, I guess to bring it back to like, Toys and Transformers. Uh, KMB Toys, though, is this little shop there. And Mike, it feels like, you know, I think it's a clever name because it does feel like you're walking into a KB Toys. Mm-hmm. In I, I know probably what you're picturing is sort of like a dealer room um, at TFCon. But what it actually, I mean, so much of this stuff is in boxes still. And this is oh. toys going back, you know, 80s and further. Um, yeah, they have a lot of stuff still on card and they have the pegboards and everything sort of like lined up like a store and the prices are like prices like you'd see back then. Right. Like all the, you know, all their star Wars figures are like six ninety nine tops. It doesn't matter the rarity or the, you know, it, and it's cool to see. It's just like you go in there and you feel like you can buy stuff. It's kind of like the, yeah. the cravings menu at Taco Bell or something. You kind of feel like you're rich again walking in. <laughs> yes. It's really nice. But oh my gosh, I, I had a great day because I got uh, there. Sadly, there were no Transformers animated figures. I was on the hunt for a um, actually a snarl Dinobot uh, is a blind spot in my collection. I really want to I really want that figure. But so I've been on the lookout for it. But I did get uh this little guy i'm gonna hold it up not great radio but this is uh beast wars razor claw oh my gosh it's like a cool repaint of it like rare repaint of it it's a crab man yeah and it's like really a crab man whoa so this has been on my list of like holy grails trying to find it and it came packed with like a vhs and it was like a special like i don't know like walmart variant or something yeah Um, yeah from 1998, very, very expensive to get now. Like I was looking at eBay prices for finding it. Even the few that were available were like $100, $60. I got him for like uh, $19.99 and he was open. So I didn't feel bad about cracking any packages. So Nice. That felt pretty good. And then uh, I also got another little grail of mine is the MicroMaster Blazemaster. Uh, mm. if you know this little guy, little golden helicopter buddy, little, little helicopter dude. Yeah, I've wanted him for a while too, and he was like two bucks on a shelf. I was like, "Yep, he is missing his rotor." So if anyone has an extra rotor for MicroMaster Blaze Master, please slide into my DMs. I'd be very interested. But <laughs> don't solicit price. people on this podcast. That's <laughs> dirty. It's dirty. Yeah, and then Gross. lastly, I wanted to show you this. This is not Transformers at all, but this is very fitting of me. Uh, on a shelf, I found the the coveted uh, Funko Pop of Michelangelo eating a slice of pizza. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty good. I had to have that, right? Like that's that's just two in my wheelhouse to pass up. He's got the cheesy goo coming from his mouth connecting to that piece of pizza. It's very nice. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I've been looking for that too. So so it was a great day. Great day in yeah. Wisconsin, if anyone's ever said that before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's super cool to, to get that done. No, that that sounds delightful. That sounds like a, a wonderful trip. I'm I'm bummed that you you struck out on TFA toys, and it kind of reminds me of when I was at uh, Cybefest last month, and i i didn't I didn't get a lot of stuff, but since since I'm so not familiar with the Transformers animated toy line, I don't really know what I'm looking for. So I, I'm walking around the tables and a lot of folks had a few Transformers animated items, but it was, um, it's stuff that, that I guess for, for lack of better term, I'm not ready for. Like there was like characters I didn't recognize. Oh, I'm like, yeah. what the hell, what the hell is an oil slick? I, ah, I don't know. What the, your eyes. I, yeah, I'm like, ah, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's like when, uh, um, uh, uh, Smithers is in the strip club and he's just like, oh no, just like shielding his eyes and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, I, I saw like a really, uh, a couple cool things and I didn't pick up anything because I think as I went, I think I was kind of starting to refine what I wanted by what I didn't want. Let me, let me explain. I, uh, I came across um, somebody with a loose Cybertronian Optimus and he, 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 he looks kind of cool and um, but he didn't have any weapons. And mm. later on, as I was walking around, so a different dealer had um, had that toy on card. And I saw he had an axe, but it's his Cybertronian mode axe. So it's the two bladed axe. And so I decided, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want that figure, but then it crystallized what I did want. I, I want a traditional Optimus Prime with the axe because, because, uh, because that, that's, I mean, what other thing in the show have I fixated on so much <laughs> and, and, and nobody had it. Um, nobody had Exactly. So it's like, but, but that Cybertronium mode, I'm like, yes, it's an ax, but it's not the right ax. I need, I need the thruster on the back and, and the big flared blade. And, and so I don't know if that's a toy that, that exists. Yeah. I haven't really looked for it, but, but that's something I decided I wanted. And they, they had, I mean, again, there was, it was a tale of toys I didn't buy. Like there was like a, a helicopter mode Megatron. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Ah, shield your eyes. <laughs> um, but there, there was one toy that I, um, I came across and somebody had it like way in the back. Like it wasn't even on their table. It was like on the shelves behind underneath a bunch of stuff. It kind of Ooh. felt like a, like an actual buried treasure type of thing. And I'm like, is, is that an ultra Magnus? And, and the nice lady was like, well, yeah, of course. And I'm like, can I take a look at that? And this ginormous Ultra Magnus figure, I was like, this thing looks pretty beefy and pretty cool. And I snapped a picture of it and I, I texted it to you. I'm like, is this a thing that's a thing? And yeah. um, because yeah. like... Because in a sense, I I don't know what all is in your collection or what you're looking for, but I know you're an Ultra Magnus guy, so I was like, I don't know this big Herkin leader class 
uh, Ultra Magnus seems like something uh, that that Michael Andrews would be would be interested in. But yes. um, well, as you know, I have an animated shelf and an Ultra Magnus shelf, and it has been a constant battle which shelf my animated uh, Ultra Magnus should go on. Because on one hand, I want to put him, you know, with his line, but. He's also an Ultra Magnus. He belongs up here. It's been a yeah. little spring cleaning uh, rotational thing <laughs> around here. I gotcha. I gotcha. But what a magnificent figure Isn't that it is. Gorgeous? It's gorgeous. Oh, it, I mean, and, 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 you know, I've, I've been spending a lot of time collecting contemporary generations figures. So, so size class is something I, I'm used to smaller figures. Deluxes are getting smaller. Voyagers are getting smaller and leader class figures aren't as big as they used to be. It's more about like parts count and engineering and accessories to where like, you know, leader class Blitzwing looks pretty cool, but, um, but he, he's not especially big, that kind of right. thing. But this, this ultra Magnus is imposing. Monster. He's as, he's as big as studio C series Grinlock, if not, if not even a little bigger, just a, just a big, big heckin' toy. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, though I do have that figure, there is a repaint of that that I have just been drooling over for years. And they actually repaint, now that you've seen it, and I guess Cat's out of the bag that it exists, but mm. they repainted animated Ultra Magnus as Roadbuster in like the orange, brown, and green. Oh, cool. And it's beautiful. Like, I just want it so bad. It's so cool. <laughs> and it's so fitting because I don't know if you saw his alt mode or maybe I hope you didn't, but uh, no, it's very no, Roadbuster-y. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, he was he was and he was loose he, uh, with, with an inch of dust on him. Um, so like that that figure had been sitting somewhere for a while. Uh, but but it was kind of interesting now that I'm kind of into TFA, but not really. Um, I haven't acquired any other figures other than the Bumblebee that that Ant sent me. But I was thinking I was going to pick something up and. I think it was just the fact I didn't know what I was looking for. Like I, uh, like I saw a bunch of jazz. Um, yeah. I, I almost picked up a Cybertronian uh, ratchet and oh, I, yeah. I, I found two of them and I made this deal with myself to where it's like, okay, well I don't want it now. And the prices were very reasonable on like everything. So it's one of those things where if I had an itch, I could have come home with like an armload of Transformers animated figures, but I was just wow. like, no, I'm not, I'm not quite ready yet. Maybe next year I, I might be in more of a position to have more of a discerning taste of what I'm looking for and what I want. But the, um, the Cybertronian mode ratchets, because we had talked about it so extensively during the show, I was like, okay, I'd like to have that. I'll tell you what, if that's still there at the end of the day, I'll grab it. Was not. Mm -hmm. Rookie mistake there. Yeah. <laughs> that won't, and that won't be there. <laughs> and and I had even kind of changed my mind on that carded Cybertronian mode Optimus. I was like, you know what? I maybe I should just get it just just to experience the mold. Nope, gone. So yeah. um and and sadly, unfortunately, I also let a Dinobot snarl go. I didn't oh. know I didn't I didn't know you were looking for him, but somebody had him on a on a table, a mint in box. Um, for for what I would think is a is a very reasonable price, and um, so yeah, so so I promise you next year I'll do a better job of maybe comparing <laughs> notes and saying like what are you looking for, and okay. maybe that that'll help kind of guide my my thing because I because yeah you're... I was gonna say I literally the two figures that are missing from my collection are Cybertronian Ratchet and Snarl, and <laughs> it seems like that's what you encountered. 
uh, quite frequently. And no sound wave to be found. And I have two sound waves. The irony. <laughs> if I and not even a sound blaster. I mean, it's like, but like if I if I had seen a, any kind of expression of that mold, I'd have snapped it up because because now I've met the character. Now now I'm at a spot where I feel like I can I can have that figure. Yeah. If that well, if I was that makes say, sense. Is there a little bit of like you don't want to be a, a poser, right? You don't want to get the character ahead of when you've seen it uh, in the show. I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, especially with like the characters I haven't met yet. So right. it's like so I I think. Um, I think by this time next year, or perhaps even when TFCon rolls around next, uh, ne- next time I go to a convention, I think I'll be a little more empowered to to kind of look for stuff like, you know, if that if that leader class bulkhead, you know, kind of comes my way, you know, the one where he can like sit down in it in his own kibble or whatever, like in the show, you know, th- those what I'm looking for is for moments that connect to what I've already seen in the show. So if I can, if I can find toys that connect me to that, then I'd be all for it. Like, you know, I'd, I'd certainly be in the market for that, for that leader class blitzwing you were talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously a, a lug nut would be something that would be really cool. But, um, those, as I said, like I saw a bunch of stuff that I wasn't looking for and that kind of helped crystallized what, I am looking for if if that makes sense to anybody out oh, there. Totally, yeah, um, yeah, it does to me. Uh, and what a great uh, uh, name drop, character drop, toy drop uh, for leader class bulkhead. Because what what a fitting toy to be talking out for today's episode. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh my gosh that that uh, that is accidentally toyetic and it works uh, really well. Yeah, we're good um, at this. So yeah, yeah. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. No, no cut this all out. And 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 we we can't call attention to it. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll be on to us. <laughs> it's like you're a fraud. <laughs> you're a phony. <laughs> but like, um, so yeah. So we we are talking about Transformers animated episode thirteen, Headmaster, uh, written by Michael Ryan and airing on March fifteenth of two thousand eight. Michael. Ryan has written all kinds of uh, Transformers animated, including many episodes that I haven't seen yet, but most prolifically for what I've seen, an iconic episode for us, uh, Home is Where the Spark is. Yeah, I was going to say, they kind of kicked it off for us, really. I mean, we still talk about that episode, I think, just about every episode. We somehow find like a callback to it. Um, And yes, as far as talking about episodes you haven't seen i have mentioned this before but i found out that he wrote my favorite season two episode which is auto boot camp so excited for you to see that one when the time is right of course uh but but that's definitely that might be my favorite episode of this whole show uh, but definitely my favorite out of season two. Oh, now that we've ruined along along came a spider for you <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now I don't give a shit about that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what a dumb episode. You guys have made me watch it three times now, and everyone hates it. No. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, um, my goodness. Now, we had to have a two-part ep- episode to talk about how shitty it was. <laughs> how bad it is. Yes, exactly. How how problematic it is. Yeah. It's like, stop telling me about capital T, capital P, the problems yeah. with this episode. <laughs> right. Yeah, so oh, uh, no. Michael Ryan uh, 
very prolific writer. He also wrote, uh, to bring it back to the TMNT wheelhouse, he also wrote several episodes of the 2003 animated trans or Ninja Turtles series, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also, if we're getting back into Derek J. Wyatt business, he also wrote several episodes of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which oh. this was the Scooby-Doo series that, uh, well, first of all, I love it. Second mm-hmm. of all, it was the one that used Derek J. Wyatt's art design. So that's his take on the on the classic Scooby-Doo characters, if you're watching that show. It's mm-hmm. also one of the only Scooby-Doo shows that, like, the story matters from episode to episode. Like, it is, there is still a monster of the week element, but there's this overarching mystery of the whole season um, that makes it really good. And it's a lot darker. And kind of like what they're doing on Riverdale now, which is, like, it has to do with the parents of the Scooby-Doo kids. Um and it's getting it gets really kind of dark and interesting while still being like TF animated uh, a kids show. Interesting. That that's very cool. I might have to might have to check that out. Um, now I, I want to own a little bit of baggage before uh, before we kind of get into the episode discussion here. I've um, I, I've been very open minded to the sensibilities of Transformers animated here, and thus far I've liked pretty much everything i've seen like violently new takes on classic characters and i i've seen a lot of episodes that make me think and and make me feel and um for the most part to varying levels but for the most part i've really liked everything that that we've seen on the whole and and it's it's made me a fan of this show so I, I have to, with a heavy heart, own on the front end, I did not like this episode. This is the first really? episode we, we've come across that I just did not like. Wow. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I was just in a weird mood when I watched it, but like it just, it just didn't connect with me. And I'm hoping as we go through the discussion here, maybe I can figure out why. Because like I, I had shared with you that I think I wrote down probably twice as many notes as our previous episode, Survival of the Fittest. So for something I didn't like, I seem to have a lot of things I wanted (laughs) to say about it. So I'm kind of interested to kind of dig into uh, this particular episode, which I found to be very bizarre. And very yeah. kind of like almost surreal in a in a weird kind of way, and maybe maybe I just wasn't in the mood for it. Um, right. Well, I will say similarly, my first note because uh, going chronologically, it is interesting because you re- you get introduced to Headmaster right away, or the guy that will become Headmaster, and he talks about his Headmaster project within like the thirty seconds of the show. I wrote down like this is the shortest we've needed to get like, you know, nanosec was Nino Sexton for a long time. Like there's sort of yeah, that main yeah. payoff. This is just like, you get it. This is headmaster. He's got a headmaster project. Like we know where we're going. And I wrote down that. I don't know how I feel about him. Like I, you know, you know, from this that I I'm okay with the human characters. I like them all yeah. pretty well. Um, I don't know how I feel about this character. The voice is a little grating. Uh, yes. A lot of gimmicky catchphrases. I do kind of like that they're poking fun at the online computer game bully gatekeeper Mark Zuckerberg type of of person. Um, but I don't know. And, and he's voiced by Alexander Polinsky, who mm. has done a lot of voice work, but nothing that's iconic to me. So I don't even have that to kind of follow off of. The only th- other thing I've heard him in is he does this re- 
uh, repeating character Arjit in Ben 10, but it's basically the same voice. So if we're talking oh, sure. like range, you know, I'm not having that. Oh my gosh, that's the voice. Like I knew it right away. Like he's got the one voice as far as I'm concerned. Interesting. So, very, very strange uh, feeling for me too. I don't think I don't care for the episode in the way that you do, but the, this character, this headmaster character or Henry Masterson, as we're first introduced to him is, is a little strange for me. And, and it's interesting. I guess we'll, we'll start with that. You know, so you get like, as you said, it's like smash cut to getting right to it, it where you're in some kind of like testing ground facility with Isaac Sumdak and this seemingly eager new applicant. I think, I think he's like applying to be part of Sumdak systems. It's, it's kind of, it, it's, it's a little unclear, especially with some of the dialogue that, that we get later, but it's, yeah. I'm not sure the dynamic and the relationship, but like something that I should have interpreted as clever, like, you know, oh, Henry Masterson, he's the headmaster. Instead of like delighting at that, I just kind of rolled my eyes <laughs> and that, and that kind of, I, I knew I was in for a uh, rough sledding, but like this, this entire opening sequence. So you get, Henry Masterson talking about the headmaster unit. And, and it's interesting too. I, I will also say, because like one, I didn't know what this episode was and I didn't know who this character was. So in one of those rare bits where like, you know, I, I put up like the, the, uh, the thumbnail images for how the episodes show on Tubi. I I'm still watching on Tubi TV and there's nothing in there that portrays, what this episode is or who this character is. It's a very long way of saying like when he pulls the sheet back and you see this very Galactus looking uh, helmet headmaster robot creature thing, much like Isaac Sumdak and you get another classic Sumdak gasp here. We're, we're two for two <laughs> on, on these guys here, but I, I had the same reaction. I, I'm just like, what the hell is this? And then it goes on like this, this Willy Wonka kind of uh, surrealistic thing where he climbs into the headmaster unit and it flies into the air and uh, you see like the propellers on it. And I write down in my notes in all caps, you probably can't see it. What is happening? Exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> and there. I just, and it just, it just, it just kind of like threw me for a loop. It was, it was a bit of a wallop in like 30 seconds in this episode. I just, I, I was, I was just kind of really put on my heels very, uh, very quickly. And that's before we even see like these giant lumbering war robots. And, and then like the comes and lasers the head off and then puts the head on. And it's just like right. a lot, a lot of like upsetting imagery in a very short amount of time. Well, I'm wondering now, as I'm, as I'm hearing us talk about it out loud, I wonder if the problem is sort of a podcasting thing where they, they jump right in, but not like how a podcaster jumps right in where we're supposed to have like 40 minutes of, you know, grab ass and banter uh, right. leading up to it. The fact that this episode, you know, starts with a bang and literally gets right into it. Maybe that offended mm. them in some ways as a, as a proper podcaster. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it would have, um, 
I, I like that. I think if we had just kind of eased into it a little more, I think it's too abrupt. I think it, it, uh, it starts. I'll agree it, with that. Absolutely. It, start, it starts too fast. And and it's it's too weird too fast. Right, right. Well, it starts with too like fast, too weird, yeah. too fast, too weird. Yeah. Well, it, like you said, it starts with, uh, you know, we're, you're it's you're unclear right from the get go, right? Like, does he already work for him? You find out, yes, he does already work for him because he's able to fire him. I guess you can't fire somebody you haven't hired. So there's that. But it's also this weird, like clingy, he, you know, Masterson's obsessed. He idolizes Sumdak. Um, he credits him with you're the old guy that started the whole robot revolution thing. Some deck feels like all of us kids a little too thirsty, but at the same time, he, you know, admits that he's heard a lot about this whiz kid and he's interested in this latest invention project. And then, yeah, right away, it's, you know, we get the headmaster name drop, um, mm-hmm. which we've gone from pretenders in the last episode to the headmasters in this episode. So we're, we're getting those, uh, G one offshoots pretty, pretty quick. Right. But, uh, and then, and then visually, I don't know, the headmaster looks like something familiar, but I don't know what it is. Like it kind of looks like the Sentinel from X-Men kind of um, the colors, but does it have any basis in transformers? Not in transformers, but it, I mean, I, I dropped it earlier. It's like you said, Sentinel, but it's, it's Galactus. It's Galactus from Marvel. Oh, L- yeah. Look at the horns on the side. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was scouring TF wiki being like, Oh, this is, there's obviously going to be some, you know, drop to this. But um, the only thing I kind of thought was like, it kind of looks like squeeze player. It's squeeze play colors a little bit. If you go that a little bit, Um, which that's also a headmaster. So there's kind of a tie in there. And it, it almost kind of looks like Scorponok a little bit with, again, with like the horns and, and all of that kind of thing, but the colors are wrong. So, right. And so the only I found this interesting. So I, I did my uh, due diligence of diving into TF with you. So you didn't have to. Um, but the only thing I saw about it was that headmaster seems to be the transformers equivalent of control freak from the teen Titans cartoon. Uh, oh. And it's really, it has the same voice actor and the same writer and similar manner of speaking. The only difference they say is between uh, them is that headmasters centered around computers, whereas control freaks kind of centered around television but it's the same like style of character. And it's kind of that thing that they did with uh, uh, Sentinel prime. Like they knew they wanted to make it like the tick. So they got the voice actor from the tick. They got all that stuff in there. And I just thought that was interesting, I guess. So I guess it's a reference to a teen Titans character, which is cool, but yeah, right. doesn't really fit, you know, for a show that's been so good about having like G one Easter eggs. Like this is just kind of its own unique thing as far as I can tell. Yeah. And again and and we'll i'm sure we will litigate this more as we go but the but the the gamer speak stuff is is incredibly irritating and very off-putting yeah but 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 kind of back into the action here because like you you see a lot happening very swiftly and again i think it's the pacing also that that kind of um i i found kind of weirdly off-putting it's um so you have like the demo of these war robots uh, or war bots as, as, uh, as I think they're called. And Isaac Sumdak has this, this, uh, this weird 
response to it where first of all he seems as upset as i was kind of watching all this happen it's like you you could tell he turns on this kid really quickly but he says something here that i want to stop and spend some time on he's like mr masterson i have told my staff time and again we do not make military robots or headmaster units that take over other military robots for more military things and i'm like the fuck you say <laughs> um <laughs> um yeah. sir have you not been watching the television series transformers animated for the last check notes 13 <laughs> episodes um i i just i don't understand where he is coming off being so sanctimonious like that because we've I mean, we've established that Sumdeck Systems is basically OCP and the Detroit Police Department is basically the police from the RoboCop future yeah. between like drones and robots and, and other technology to have Isaac Sumdeck think that he's not making military robots is weird and it's a weird take. And the other thing I couldn't quite figure out is headmaster or or henry masterson as he is now did he make the green robots also because it's like it's yeah. almost like he he's demoing too many things right. so it's like it's like you start with this demo of this lumbering green robot but then he's exhibiting the headmaster unit yeah and it's, I don't know. Maybe it's a lot. Maybe. It's it's again, it's a lot. It's a lot coming at you. It's a little bit of a clunky delivery. Um, I guess while you mentioned that green war robot walking up, I did want to say, and maybe I'm reaching here, but I think I am going to have to be reaching for this. But that to me looked a little bit what like a G1 headmaster hardhead. Did you like take that at all? Or did you kind of think that? Oh yeah, certainly. Cer uh, certainly in the body type and certainly the colors. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I guess I was going to get to it later uh, when we talk about headmasters, but kind of similar to how I was asking about pretenders last episode. Were headmasters close enough to G1 to to be on your nostalgia radar, or do you just know them? It it's so funny. It's so funny, and and it's it's kind of like weirdly contradictory too, because much like the pretenders and the headmasters came earlier, um, I don't think I had any of the Autobot headmasters. But I did have the horror cons. So I had oh. uh, I had Snapdragon and Ape Face. But then my my real headmaster flex, I have even now on my shelf, I have G1 Scorponok. And the the crown jewel of my collection is G1 Fortress Maximus. And oh, nice. I, I've I've told this story one million and a half times. So I will tell it here in brief but um in christmas of 1987 it's uh it, it's christmas eve and there's this giant box with, with my name on it and as i had talked about with my lack of affection for uh the pretenders because like by 1988 i was into nintendo conversely i thought this giant box was the Nintendo Entertainment System the action set? I was <laughs> I was I was really I was really hoping for a Nintendo that Christmas. The other iconic '80s toy that you'd expect under your tree for sure. 
So if this isn't like the the best Christmas ever, um, I opened up this this package thinking it's a Nintendo. It's Fortress Maximus instead. Uh, it was it was a toy ooh. that was was so what I I considered to be so far out of reach that I didn't even think to ask for it. You know, because it's like, you know, you know, it's just like, you know, that that's that's a pretty damn big t- the rich kids have that, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, like like the folks that had like the USS flag, the GI Joe aircraft carrier. I didn't know anybody who knew anybody who had that. So and and later on in life, when people tell me that they had the USS flag, uh, it's and to me that tells me everything I need to know about that person. Right? It's like <laughs> right. it's like rich kid. It is the prime energy drink of the eighties. Uh, it was a yeah. status symbol. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I was I was just blown away by the, by this gift and and it and it is the it is the prize of my collection and he's fallen into disrepair he's very yellowed in a lot of spots i've i've lost a fair amount of his weapons but he still has all of his head so it's like i've got cerebros and and spike so oh, does yeah. the double headmaster thing the the radar dish for that guy goes for more on ebay than the entire figure itself it's it's Jeez. crazy so yeah. but but anyway so so my i have a little more affection for the headmasters than I do the pretenders and I followed the headmasters into comics. Like I was the Marvel mm-hmm. comics guy. So I, so I got the, the four issue miniseries, And then because I had Fort max, I kind of followed that character and it was kind of interesting. Cause I know this is outside of the brief of what we're talking about here. I was always kind of weirded out that in media fortress Maximus was just like a regular dude. It's like, well, wait a sec. He he's like the biggest transformer ever. And at that point, like it was there there was a point where they couldn't even reissue him because like it wouldn't pass contemporary drop tests. Like the the toy was so massive, it was literally unsafe to like reproduce for for kids and stuff. So there's an element of danger there. Uh like like our, our favorite America's Got Talent acts, you know. It's yeah. like, oh, oh, in the danger category is G1 <laughs> Fort Max, you know, that that kind of thing. Um, so anyway, so like I I it was it always weirded me out when he was just portrayed as like a regular sized dude. Oh yeah. Well, he stays humble, you know, I guess in the comics. <laughs> yeah. it down. Uh, speaking of deep hurting though, uh we we don't we don't ter- we don't talk about Garrus 9. <laughs> right. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Um but anyway, yeah, so so in brief, that's kind of my thing on the Headmasters and you know, we talked about in our last episode kind of my fleeting flirtation with the Japanese original animated series, the headmasters that, uh, um, that I haven't really, haven't really interacted with very much. So I don't, I don't have the deepest affection for headmasters, but, but yeah, I mean, I like them fine enough to where I could clock. It's like, okay, Hey, that's, we're, we're kind of doing an homage to hardhead here with these, uh, with these war bots. Yeah, uh, that that's kind of interesting. So the Warbots for me were, were exciting because uh, actually Hardhead is probably my favorite of the Headmasters. I mean, that's the figure that oh. I, I really like. The color kind of resonates with me. So so more than anything, that was a big thrill. Like even everything I was kind of on the fence about with uh, Masterson, you know, him walking up and looking like Hardhead, G1 Hardhead was, was kind of a thrill for me. But actually, now that I think about it, uh, my roots with Headmasters go a little deeper because 
My mm. very first Transformer, at least that I can remember getting and still have, is Squeeze Play. Um, oh, nice. I think why it doesn't click on the radar as a headmaster for me is because I lost the headmaster piece a l- way early on in owning it. And I just thought it was like, cool, snake robot for like a long time, right? <laughs> and then at some point I must have got like, you know, uh, handsy with it. Yikes, that sounded bad. And like open it up and saw that he had like the little chest thing and the, the attack and strength and all that. And the stats from a headmaster. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy, this guy needs a head. There's a, there's a missing component here. So, yeah. So headmasters, I guess I do have a little bit of a history with them. Well, and and it's funny. I just, you know, knocked loose a, a memory while we were talking about here. So my, my G1 Scorponok doesn't have the uh, Zarek head. It doesn't have the, the head that came with it. It does have a head on it though. And I, uh, I I did one of these uh, late night G chats with uh, with our buddy Aaron from uh, Autopod Decepticast, and we we spent a lot of time like staring. I'm like, I know this isn't the right head, and we spent like a while trying to investigate who it is. It's it's Hardhead. It's Hardhead's oh. head that's on my G1 Scorponok. Weird. And and it and it got and it was like that when I got it. I got it from a garage sale. Ah, okay. Oh, so, well, so, cool. yeah. So. Yeah, so my childhood G1 Scorponok has always had the the wrong head. <laughs> cool. Wow. I like it. I love stories like that. Yeah. Uh, but to bring this weird opening scene to an end, I guess it's important to uh, make sure we hit the notes. So the headmaster yeah. unit, uh, if it wasn't clear, is designed to take the heads off of other robots and replace it with their head. And it ends up like, this is why this guy's such a prick is because he ends up firing off a missile as part of his demonstration and it heads towards the city. So finally we get away from this weird, awkward, cringy scene that we've opened with. Um, but now a little bit of a nightmare happening, this missiles heading towards the city. And I think this is a great cut because <laughs> meanwhile, while this is happening, Bulkhead's being interviewed by this kind of cool retro 1920s prohibition looking journalist bot but he's being interviewed and the, and the uh, much as Mike Seibert was being the journalist that goes for the throat, this reporter bot's supposed to be having a nice like PR. I, I think probably like someone like the PR agent for the Autobot yeah. set this up to like have bulkhead come across as a little nicer, a little more gentle. Yeah. This yeah. Reporter is like doing his due diligence and he's like, tell me bulkhead as the most imposing and potentially destructive of the Autobots. Do you ever fear for the untold damage you might inflict on an unsuspecting city? Gotcha, you know, with the, with the microphone. And Bulkhead's like, I thought we were going to talk about how people shouldn't be afraid of me. That, that I'm as gentle as a really gentle thing. Hey, easy, you know, like, come on. We're both robots. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very TMZ. It's so weird because, yeah, first of all, what is this presser? Like, why is this happening? How is this happening? <laughs> Cause it's like the, it's like on the, like the side of a street. There's like a half dozen humans there, and yeah, this uh, th- this freaking uh, uh, Perez Hilton TMZ robot is like, he's like, you're a menace. You know, people are scared of you. What yeah. do you have to say for yourself? Programmed <laughs> by J. Jonah Jameson personally. Yeah. This <laughs> he's a menace. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I want work. photos of Bulkhead. <laughs> <laughs> he's a menace, a criminal. <laughs> Uh, Parker, you're fired. Uh, so, yeah, right. 
but yeah, anyway, so there, so this robot's interviewing him and kind of going for the throat and bulkhead is trying to prove that he, you know, his destructive capabilities aren't a problem, which we've had 12 episode lead up or whatever to knowing that it is. But unfortunately this bomb hits and he does technically save the city, but no one remembers it. Right. Because he, as Bumblebee will later say, he like destroyed half the city trying to, trying to save it from the missile. Um, it's really sad. And, and you know, it, it is kind of funny. It is a nice cut juxtaposition, but it's sad what we know about Bulkhead. Like, we know he's this gentle giant. We we know he's got this destructive capability, but we also know he's capable of this softness and this tenderness, especially when it comes to Sari. But he just can't seem to prove it to the city at large. He's he's just too big of a of a klutz. And to his friends. I mean, I mean, like even Optimus Prime is kind of a, a dick about it here. It's like, you know, uh, you know, sure, you made a mess, but well, uh, I mean, no more than usual. It's just yeah. like what a what a mean spirited thing to say. You know, uh, the the thing I wrote down in my notes was knock around and find out because <laughs> like so, I mean, Bulkhead is is shown as, as you were saying. Uh, saving the day but like there there's this shot of like his wrecking ball like carving into the streets he's knocking down buildings and all that and it's just kind of like i don't know i i felt very conflicted by what this scene is trying to show us because at at the end of the day people got not dead from this missile when they surely would have this, yeah. this this tactical ballistic missile would have laid waste to Detroit, and yeah, sure, Bulkhead caused some damage, but I I, I don't know compare. I I don't I don't like any of this, um, <laughs> uh, uh, especially at a time where we we're made as the audience we're made to feel empathy for Bulkhead again and again and again, and this between this episode and even the last episode a little bit. It, it feels like the story is kind of spinning its wheels a little bit. Hmm. You know, I, I had, I had made this comparison to uh, lost and found where it's like, Oh man, we're getting ready to go over the edge of the roller coaster. And it's, you know, this is like one of the most action packed episodes of the season. And I'm really excited to see where we go. And then we we follow that up with a mystery on Donobot Island. And while I like that episode fine, it's not a good follow-up to the momentum of Lost and Found. And this thing, just like, I don't know. It just, it, it feels like, so using my roller coaster analogy, I'm sure folks have been on these kinds of roller coasters before where there's like the fake drop. You know, mm. it's like, th there's like a little bit of a dip, maybe at enough of an angle where you get like a little bit of the G-forces and your your stomach kind of rolls up a little bit, but it's not like a real drop. And that's kind of what these two episodes kind of feel like to me. It's like, no, I, I need, I want Decepticons. I want action. I want, I want to see the, the, the story go forward in, instead of, fucking around with with more existential dread from bulkhead i get it he has a lot of angst and he has a lot of stuff to be angsty for but i i just i feel like my nose is being rubbed in it and i just it just doesn't hit me right especially with this um uh with this uh a news bot character just just being a shit throughout you know you talked about j jonah jameson and and it really kind of has 
has that kind of vibe. Like this, this news bot has an axe to grind yeah. against Bulkhead for for like no reason. I just right. I don't and and it and it underscores I don't understand the 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 media surrounding it because we know that the Autobots are essentially superheroes. So it's like I don't know, putting it in like Marvel Comics thing, it would be like if you know, the Fantastic Four, the first family of the Marvel Universe, some pipsqueak reporter is following the thing around all the time. And it's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to talk about all the cool stuff we did. It's like, yeah, but what about that time you broke all those buildings, you, 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 you fucking klutz? <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. It's just like so many. Well, sure. I, I will say this, though. There is some context for bulkhead not being as considered his favorite right and sound and fury you know even though it's on a smaller scale at sorry's birthday party they are superheroes but not bulkhead as much mm. kids are all really interested in the other autobots there is some uh context that that bulkhead's kind of a scary one right yeah. so i think that does sort of lead into this of like now okay that was like a smaller microcosm of the city now we know the whole city's got a little problem with him and it and it underscores something that I as an audience member see that the city at large doesn't. So I see these tender moments with bulkhead and sorry that the city at large doesn't. And I, and I think I lost track of that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely true, but the, the, uh, okay. So as this weird kind of scene draws to an end, uh, there's a couple important things happen, right? Uh, yep, yep. The reporter bot is crushed. Um, and this seems really weird. Cause like, well, uh, we have a nice cameo here, right? Because Daniel runs out, uh, and Carly is there to like console him. Uh, he's very scared that this little reporter bot got crushed. Yeah. And, and bulkhead tries to make it better by like picking up its head and like moving its jaws. This is basically like a corpse to him, right? Cause he's a robot. Yeah. He's just picking up another robot being like, look, it still moves. There was something very jarring about that. But I think this is really interesting because that scene, you know, it, it's gruesome. And I read a note on the uh, TF wiki that this episode was almost nixed by Hasbro because they raised concerns that the headmaster, the body snatching thing was too gruesome for small children. And Derek J. Wyatt himself had to uh, produce a, like a proof of concept sketch that highlighted how funny this episode would be. And after going through all that trouble to sort of like include this weird uh, look, it's not dead, like grotesque scene with like a robot corpse. It's like, well, what was, the, what was the point of making it funny at all then? If you're just going to include that weird scene. Yeah, and I I don't I don't want to be disrespectful to Derek J Wyatt's memory, but I'm kind of team Hasbro on this. There there's there's a lot of imagery in this episode up to and including the 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 very headmaster gimmick that that is inherently upsetting. It's like even when and and it's so weird how Transformers treats robots that aren't cybertronians and it's also weird how transformers animated treats robots that aren't cybertronian it's like so anytime a robot gets slagged um in, in the case of like you know meltdown you know we talked about how upsetting it was when secretary bot gets uh get gets melted down with the acid touch or the, the acid gas or whatever yeah. and it's like so it's like there is some weird uh weird gruesome robot uh, death in here that that just I, I don't know doesn't doesn't sit right with me but I would also say 
that it is kind of in keeping with the sensibilities of those live action movies. And to keep in mind that, you know, in context, this is parallel with that. Like, I mean, and that's always been a criticism of mine of, of the live action movies. It's like, I don't know what that says about me, but I, I don't have a strong constitution for the, the, the gruesome robot violence. Like I, I don't need to see like spines getting ripped out. And so, I mean, you even had that in rise of the beast where we're just like ripping spines out, like your goddamn sub zero. It's (laughs) like, I don't, I, I, I'm not in for that. It's like these robots are either people or they aren't. And you can't, show people you know being being maimed that way so it's like it, it's it's maybe it's a weird me thing but it's just like i don't i don't have the same appetite for gruesome uh robot violence as others right yeah i guess nine months before this uh we all saw in the transformers movie optimus prime picking up the dead torso of jazz and kind of carrying it around so maybe they didn't oh, think this would be, yeah maybe they didn't <laughs> think this would be that jarring but I guess, yeah, especially since, you know, even in this show, we've been talking about how we're, we're, we think one of the themes of the show is, you know, that there will be a revolution and these robots need to be treated like people, kind of these like tireless mechanical servants. They need to be treated like people. And this definitely did not show them as that. Though I will say, though, because. Uh, Newsbot was being such a shit. I I did chuckle <laughs> when 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 that car dropped. I'm like, good fuck that guy. So so oh, there we was contain layers, don't we? I mean, we yeah, <laughs> I, it, it it can be two things. But like the, this whole upsetting sequence with with snot nose Daniel and like we're lingering on on like this this incredibly large bubble of snot just dribbling out this kid's face it's just like again like just weirdly upsetting imagery in this and you know you you had already talked about it but like you know i i I wrote down in my notes i was like uh maybe he'll be okay very not okay (laughs) uh and and i wrote this this line you should be ashamed of yourself and now you you had mentioned that it it's uh, Carly. I don't think it is because the, oh. this, so we see Carly in both the first episode and then in the, maybe in the birthday episode. No, no, never mind. Anyway, we, we, she's very on model, long blonde hair, fair complexion. This, um, this person has short blonde hair and a darker complexion. So I don't, I don't know if that's a animation error, but I took it to be, this is a different character. Like like some kind of like babysitter character or something. Maybe I need to look at it again. But like I, I so I was jarred with like, who is this person? And and why is it like, you know, bulkhead, you should be ashamed of yourself? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, th- oh. this is I, I'm going to spend a lot of our discussion being frustrated and sh- and shrugging and saying, I don't know. Yeah, no, actually, you're right. I was just looking at uh, the TF Wiki notes for this, and it says, although the woman who confronts him is listed in the end credits as mother, she does not use the same character model as Carly Witt Wiki. I just, yeah, maybe I was just, you know, blush, you know, blink test at yeah. it. Kind of like, oh, yeah, there, there's Carly. But oh, you're right. You, you nailed that. Good call. All right, so let's get off this couple of weird scenes here. Let's see if it gets better. We 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 move back to the base, and uh, you know, Bumblebee's giving Bulkhead a hard time as usual about his klutziness and destroying the city and yada yada yada. But uh, Sari kind of suggests trying something more creative, and she's trying to turn Bulkhead onto painting. 
Um, yeah. I really like this one. She's like, she's like, maybe you could create something in bulkhead dot matrix prints, a perfect mural of the Autobots. Uh, I think that's really sweet. And she's like, no, it needs to have a little more soul to it and all these things that we know about human painting. Um, but yeah, it is. I did kind of like that. The fact that they just drew attention to like the robots, they can like literally digitally print a perfect replica. Uh, so it also kind of goes with like, you need to kind of sort of teach that to a robot. Yeah. Like, if you yeah. if you have yeah. this ability to sort of like reproduce perfectly everything you've seen, yeah, finding a reason to like put a little heart into it is going to be more of a challenge. I love this scene. I and I I love one. I love the dot matrix printing. Yeah, and and that's really a touchstone for folks of a certain age. But like as soon as you hear that grinding, it, <laughs> it it's transportative. It's like who who I yeah. haven't heard that in, had big, in years. Big nostalgia. But I I love this line from Bulkhead. He's very profound as he's reflecting on this. And he's like, you know, or or maybe it's sorry that says it. I, I don't remember who, but somebody says like, you know, make stuff instead of break stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. I found to be incredibly profound and 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 thematic. And then as you were saying about the learning, you get this montage of studying art. And I I like that. And and Go back to my rant earlier about like, you know, are these robots people or not? And the thing that people have to do is is learn. And I like that he's taking in bulkhead is is taking in the information by experiencing it. And I, I felt that that was very humanizing. Yeah, totally. I love that montage. And I liked that. I like the thing where, you know, bulkhead, like first couple of tries, he crushes the little brush can finally gets to like that tenderness. So there is sort of like a, it's doing the work to show you it was a struggle for him. Um, and eventually we cut to him painting a, a billboard with a big old yeah. mop. And mm -hmm. I know you probably don't get this reference, Mike, but for my fellow Transformers Prime fans out there, there is a mm. very specific episode of Transformers Prime where Bulkhead learns to paint and he uses a giant mop as the paintbrush for it. Um, there's, there's other references to that too. So I'm, I think that, I think what happened is that episode ended up being like this episode ended up being source material for that episode of prime because there are just way too many similarities in it. Um, it can't be coincidence. And, and it's interesting, like with this billboard thing, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not an art snob. I, I don't, I, I don't think I'm necessarily, uh, intelligent or perceptive enough to uh, appreciate, uh, a certain level of art, but like, I, I thought the, the, the thing on the billboard was really quite nice. It's yeah. just like, you know, like as like an abstract impressionist expressionist type of thing, but then captain fan zone rolls <laughs> up and he's like, Hey, we got graffiti laws in this town, you know, come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about the scene. Cause it, you know, the first thing, my first instinct was like, well, their truce is over their, their adventure that they went on is done. He's back to his old bullshit of busting everybody for every little crime. And then I started to think a little deeper of like, well, what if this is part of, you know, this sort of like, we're keeping this secret about Dinobot Island. We went through something. What if this is him going over the top to be like, I'm just a cop. You're just a guy I don't like. We've never shared anything, you know, like this could be part of the ruse of nothing happened out there on that island. Right. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Nothing happened. Um, I, I like the potential of that. So we cut back to base and poor Bumblebee. He's, uh, he's, he's stuck in like this, this 
expressionistic pose. And and I do like this gag where you pull back and you see that Polkett has just painted a picture of his own <laughs> arm, which I thought I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, apparently that's a bit from some like other movies or something, or that's like a trope that's been done. Um, they, they said it was in Looney Tunes. There's even oh. a, there's even a mention on TF Wiki that in the scene that Bulkhead is painting his hand, um, Bumblebee's pose, one leg behind his head, carrying a baby in front of an overturned Jeep, is a direct reference to the 1980 film Airplane, in which the main character is in a mental hospital and is painting a very similar image with a live model. Uh, I haven't actually seen Airplane. Oh, uh, I don't think I think people most people would assume I have, but I hadn't. So that kind of went over my head. I actually thought it was more of a reference to like G1 Hound. I thought that was what the overturned Jeep was supposed to be. But apparently, oh, it sure. An, apparently it was an airplane <laughs> gig. Well, and OK, so before we get off this scene, though, there's a couple other great moments because as goofy and weird and out there as this episode has been so far, there's a couple great, very solid character moments that happen here. One yeah. is that Optimus mentions that he doesn't really see the need to reproduce an image with such primitive waves. Um, and I realize this could be played as just we need someone to kind of be a foil of what Bulkhead's working on. But yeah. actually, it really makes sense for this Optimus, who's a history buff and is all about facts, and and he wants the clear-cut image. These his only artwork to him is like historical images. What has what have we seen before? It would totally right. make sense that he doesn't really see the value of art. He kind of just wants to see exactly what happened, right? Yeah. And then on the other side, though, Prowl totally yeah. gets it right away. Like, here's oh our, my gosh, here's our Spark Soul brother. He gets art right off the bat. He gets creativity. This is something he's been obsessed with since the other Michael Ryan episode, Home is Where the Spark Is. So I thought yep. this was a very fitting moment for both of them. It, it, it definitely connects and it's very consistent. And I like your characterization of Optimus in that, like, I, I would imagine that he can appreciate ancient art but not for the art's sake, but for the historical value. It's like, yeah. th this is, it's like, yeah, but do you like it? Well, I, I, I don't understand that this, this is a piece of history. Yeah. I appreciate the history of it. If, if not the, um, the actual art. Um, I also like this bit here with the, the, the melted TV, <laughs> and it, and 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 it's like and and this is where kind of like Ratchet gets in on the action and this ties into the end of the episode because you know Ratchet's kind of being being a grump about it also and he's like you ask me it's all a waste of time no bot ever saved anyone with art um, right, that that right. kind of thing, which obviously sets up uh, the the end of the episode. But I I like this this thing where it's like this melted TV and it's very like you know impressionistic and bulkheads just kind of like. Actually, that was an accident I had with Ratchet's blowtorch. Yeah, well, there's two things I love here because it's definitely a throwback to what we know about the most famous abstract, which is Dolly, Salvador Dolly's like melted clocks painting. Yeah. Um, so you see this right away and you're like, oh, I get it. I get what they're trying to mimic here. And then, yeah, Bulkhead just says, uh, yeah, it was an accident with Ratchet's laser torch. And then it cuts to like. It's a, you know, you realize it's like a still life, basically. There is a melted hunk <laughs> yeah, of metal right on the side. <laughs> I love that bit. It's a great gag. And then Ratchet it's comes in grumbling about it. And this is where, this is like another great throwback to Transformers Prime. And I know, sorry, Mike, you haven't seen it, but yeah. uh, this is totally a running gag in Transformers Prime, which is like, 
Ratchet comes in and goes, Bulkhead, I needed that. Like this happens all the time in that show. And it was really cool to kind of see the the early musings of it take place here. And then um, you you get another bit of maudlin Bulkhead. He's he's all like, he's being real maudlin about it. He's like, all I'm good at is breaking stuff. Right. Well, he has a very artist thing too, right before that, where he like makes a mistake painting and his temper flares and he just like smashes a table or like flips it or something. That's and right. That's I right. I was like, you know, it was kind of funny, but there's also a little realism in that. Like, I feel like I've almost had that, you know, when trying to write or you have writer's block or something like from artistic oh, yeah. side, like it fits, it, it hit a little too close to the home there. And yeah, yeah. He said, all I, all I'm good at is breaking stuff. And this is, this was sort of a very beautiful, like artist thing, I think. Right. Mm-hmm, like, I, mm-hmm. I feel it all the time. It's like, I'm only good at ruining shit. Like what I, I, you know, I have these days where I'm like, I just can't do anything right. Like this isn't good. I haven't created something good. Um, so I thought that was very, that was a very deep cut as well. And then immediately on the heels of that, you get uh sorry, trying to help and very much not helping where she right. reveals that she's scored bulkhead a a art exhibition at the at the local gallery and i i i don't even understand the logistics of that i'm not even going to mess around with it it's like it's like okay bebaboop uh hi uh art, art gallery yeah it's me sorry sumdac yeah i i know i'm eight years old i know i'm eight years old but um hey can my robot friend put some uh do an exhibition of his art in your gallery coolness all right cool i'll, I'll let him know thanks <laughs> well she probably threatened him with a ninja nerve blow which she has learned <laughs> yes. so she has she has ways of getting his art into a gallery <laughs> Um, but now we can also see that uh, apparently Sari is the one that's been doing PR for Bulkhead, trying to get his image out there. Oh, my God. that That's what it is. It, it, so she's all like, Beba Boop. Uh, hey, uh, uh, news boss. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's me. Sorry, Sumdak. Yes. Yes, I, I know I'm eight years old. Um, but uh, can can we have a we're, we're going to have this big press conference where, you know, Bulkhead is is really going to, you know, kind of ha- has a big announcement and is you know really going to, you know, get get to the human side of what makes Bulkhead. Yeah. Yeah. Send, send your shittiest reporter. Yeah. That Eddie, <laughs> that, that Eddie Brock looking motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. send that guy. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, we're sorry, man. She's not doing the best job. And, and clearly here, it, it didn't work either because she books this art show and uh, Bulkhead just Kool-Aid mans out the side of the building, <laughs> just bursts through it. We got the Multiple shape. layers, too. <laughs> it's like, oh this is my very gosh. Looney Tunes, right? Like we had the cut, it's the cutout of Bulkhead right in the wall. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And then uh, meanwhile, off campus, sorry, Mike, we're getting back to yeah. Masterson. I thought his name was Headley this whole time and turns out it was Henry, but I guess Headley Masterson would have been two on the nose somewhere. Some awful writer is going, no, that's too much. No. (laughs) uh, (laughs) So Masterson is playing a game of uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots uh, with a picture of Sumdac taped to one of them's faces. And I think this is very, uh, you know, this is sort of the genius robot equivalent of throwing darts at the dartboard with your boss's like picture on it. Right. Like, sure. Like he's, he's feeling salty about it. So he builds a couple of robots to duke it out. And this, he does the voice of some deck, which is not cool. Like that made me cringe. And in, a, in an episode where I was cringing left and right, then he does the voice and didn't feel right. I was already uncomfortable by the art depiction. 
Like, you know, he has like, yeah. And so I couldn't tell if he was what kind of caricature it is, because like if it's a Rock'em Sock'em Robots thing, it's like, does it have like battle damage in there already? Because like the, the, the caricature is missing teeth. Right. So it's it. Again, it's all uncomfortable all the way around, unfortunately. Yeah. But I also kind of like the scene because this is where things start to get a little bit winking at the movie, The Social Network, which is my favorite. So this is where to me it starts to feel because we already got like a little bit of a Zuckerberg-esque person. And now that he's been salty and fired by his boss, he decides to start his own company, which is a revenge stunt, which is definitely a social network thing. And then you also he needs some startup cash. So he's looking for sort of an Eduardo Severon, if you will. Um, and then, but then he goes a different route. He just uh, decides he's going to ex- extort the money out of the city right, to get it. But a shitty thing, right? It's a shitty thing, a betrayal. You know, it's all it's all there. This drama that I love in social network is is sort of here in this episode. Yeah, I do like when we go back to Bulkhead, he's literally kicking a can down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out on the town. He's worried about his art show. He's literally yeah, kicking the can down the street. (laughs) Could you be any more pathetic and sad? Yeah. And and what is up with like this this shark tooth car? Like there's there's like a weird car that's right next to this lamppost that he bends over and and, you know, uh, torques out the but like. I don't know. It almost looked like a, like a master of the, of the universe type of vehicle or something like that. Just like the, the grill has like these weird shark teeth on it. I, oh yeah. Very, very, oh, yeah. very odd. Very odd. Just, just a weird design thing. But then you get this, what, what I would consider to be pretty upsetting uh, takedown of bulkhead. And I, and I wrote down in my notes, don't tase me, bro. Yeah. As we, as we get to the face off. Yeah. If you're trying to prove how funny and not gruesome this is to Hasbro, this again, missed the mark because yeah, it's like this weird, like bulkhead going unconscious point of view thing. Mm-hmm. And and the headmaster unit going in and, and sawing with its laser. It's a very like, you know, I'd almost be, I'd almost feel better if the headmaster unit just sort of like popped on over the head that was already on there. Right. Yeah. Like a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And it just sort of muffled the other head and kind of took control of the body. And then you could have like, oh, I can't control my arms. To me, that would be actually humorous. Uh, This sort of decapitation thing is like. But then you would miss out on bowling for bots that we do no fewer than two different times in this episode. <laughs> I, I I know we'll get to it, but I I have no patience for the for the bulkhead uh, severed head stuff. I just none of that sure. stuff landed for me, unfortunately. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, anyway, so bulkhead gets totally owned, wakes up without a body. <laughs> now he's just a head. And again, another another great character moment. Be Bumble, even though in this serious thing that happened, Bumblebee's razzing him. How do you lose an entire body, especially one your size? It's like losing a planet or something. <laughs> which which is kind of funny, but it also underscores that these Autobots are not nearly upset enough about this. Yes, that is the big takeaway I took from it too. Is like. Was there no bigger fish to fry here? Like this is kind of a joke to you people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and B, but it is kind of funny when Bumblebee calls him uh, Bulkhead Little Buddy 
And like, yes. it's kind of a short joke. Like, I guess he's getting back for those short jokes, right? Like we saw, we saw Bulkhead getting in on the, uh, you know, the double buddy high five with Prowl making short yeah, jokes. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually been waiting for this moment. So it's a little, it's a little justified, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind that, but then what I do mind though, is that then we get into uh, bowling for bots and I'm just like, this is just stupid city. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. There is. There is that. <laughs> That's just me. I'm I'm just a grouch, I guess. But then but then we get to like, well there there there's a clock ticking in a way. Um, because the the art exhibit is gonna happen at the at the art gallery and we still gotta gotta make some art and right. then Ari walks in smoking a cigar and he's like, Listen, I put a hundred dollars of my own money to get you in this fucking art show. Yeah. You're gonna get your get there and get your stuff made. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then it, then it kind of kicks off. What, what is this? A, a montage, I think of like, you know, Bumblebee trying to help bulkhead. Yeah. It kind of puts him to work being his, his arms and eyes and stuff. Well, not uh-huh, eyes, uh-huh. arms at least. Yeah. It, yeah. At the, at the very least, but I, I find this, this really odd. And again, I'm, I'm not a art critic by, by any, any stretch, but bulkhead is shown painting earlier and so but painting is now old news and we're moving on to sculpture i guess yeah that is kind of weird but i also kind of took it as bumblebee something kind of beautiful that bumblebee accidentally stumbled into i like art too so maybe we're seeing Mm. a little more of like what bumblebee you know bumblebee's expression coming out i thought that was kind of cool i thought that you know it's one of those situations where they're like helping out a friend with a thing and then you end up really falling in love with the project. Uh, yeah. I think Bumblebee needs something that like that in his life. I think that's what mm-hmm. Bumblebee as a person has been missing. He needs an outlet for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think probably what happened if we know we didn't see it, but behind the scenes, like bulkhead probably got bored of it really easy. Like, no, this isn't working. Just sit me in front of the TV. I'm sad. And then Bumblebee just kept making sculptures all night. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how it went down. I like that a lot. And, and I will say like the, this light bulb statue that they've created looks pretty cool actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's got a really cool um, aesthetic vibe. It reminded me of the. Do you remember in the original Ducktales cartoon, like there was these. It, they're even featured in like the theme song from the show or like the opening intro. There's sort of this like light bulb headed robot. That, yeah, they're uh, robots. Yeah, 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 yeah. That played a big part of that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I oh, think that's, that's what wow. It, that's what it triggered for me. I have not thought about those characters in, in, in forever. Well, I haven't thought about DuckTales in forever, but like, and I think those are like some of the, the, uh, you know, faceless minions you have to dispatch in the, in the DuckTales video game too, because they're, they're oh, just yeah. kind of like, you know, yeah, I think they're just that like drone troopers, uh, sure. that, that kind of, that kind of thing. But I, I also like here that, um, I, I like a lot of this stuff with Bumblebee, like, you know, so you see him using a, a, a welding torch and then he immediately leaves it unattended on the table. <laughs> and, and like, you know, it's funny. We, we get so used to th- – there's a lot of Chekhov's gun in Transformers Animated. And, you know, we talk a lot about, like, nothing gets wasted and everything gets paid off. It's rare that you see something pay off this quickly because that, that table bursts into flames almost immediately. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a running gag, right? Because like, don't touch the laser torch, right? This is throwback yeah. to Bulkhead, like how he screwed <laughs> up. I think that was a really good <laughs> a bit because like everyone kind of made fun of him for, you know, letting it get up. But clearly it happens. You get into art mode and you just, you stop caring. Yeah. And, and I, I love this line where like they're, they're, they're panicking these, uh, you know, the, the headless robot and the, and the not headless robot are, are panicking about what to do with the fire. And it's like, Oh, I got it. No problem. Uh, where's the fire extinguisher? The fire extinguisher is attached to Optimus prime is <laughs> a fire truck. And yeah, that's that, a good that, bit. That kind of tracks, actually. I thought that was a that was a pretty fun joke. But I I also like that in in multiple times during this sequence that Bumblebee's uh, zipping powers are shown. I I don't know if it's an animation gag at this point or if it's an actual superpower because we've seen in a few different episodes now where he can move very quickly and zips around like a like a like a cartoon character. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit for the, mm. for a visual gag, but also, yeah, showing his abilities off a little bit. Yeah. After this scene too, see, this is where things start taking a little bit of a good turning point for me. Cause now I'm starting to like more what I see. And then, cause I love this next scene where we have yeah. fan zone and ratchet kind of investigating Masterson's lab. And this is where I was kind of like alluding to it last this year or last episode was that we, we get like a really good you know, cops being cops, like Fanzone being a good detective. And then we even, yeah. get, we even get, you know, Ratchet getting his little eyepiece in to sort of be like the forensics lab doctor. Like there's some good cop stuff in here, like some SVU style stuff. Yeah. Stuff that's like really cool. And it it is like that scene because Masterson's like a psycho at this point. Like there's sort yeah. of a chilling, like, oh, we're dealing with a really like criminally insane person here. And it's mm -hmm. juxtaposed with Fanzone in a very sexy trench coat that we have yet to see him in. I was going to say, I mean, the, the drip on this guy, it's yeah. like, I, I, I love it. I, I even put that in my, in my note. I'm like, love fan zones, new coat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if that was like to play up the policiness or something, but either way, he's looking good. He's looking sharp, mm -hmm. very dapper. Yep. So we see that uh, the Autobots are still on the hunt for bulkheads, well, his head. Um, Bumblebee says, you know, no rush that they've got, uh, you know, they're, they've headmastered a sort of micromaster. I just put in my notes as like, they, <laughs> as a new idea, they put bulkhead's head on like a littler robot body. Yeah. Um, and so he's like getting to use the arms and stuff like that. Um, I th I just thought it was so funny that Bumblebee was like, take your time. Like, this is funny. Like, I'm doing art stuff, and we have this funny little robot bulkhead running around. This is good stuff. Take all night if you need it. Take all week. It, it is. Uh, it's a funny gag. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. But it's, uh, again, I, I think I've just grown too sensitive to robot violence because, like, I did find the imagery of, like, this. Uh, it's not Tudor bot, but it's, it's, oh, it was the robot that they were, like, watching the art on. Uh, so it's a robot we saw earlier in the episode with with a big oh, TV yeah. head. It's a TV head robot. So right. you see the 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 now removed TV head um, off to the side where you see that's where they've attached bulkheads um, head to its body and just oh. just just weird imagery. I, I don't know. Yeah. And and the more I talk about it, the more it seems to have to do with my personal sensitivity than something not being of good taste or whatever, because again, I could have it both ways because it is a funny joke and, and it does end up being um, important to the plot, 
when Bulkhead is uh, running back and forth and talking about what he's feeling. He's like, I feel like I'm running and smashing through things. It's weird. That kind of thing, which yeah. at the time that he says it seems kind of um, um, out of place. And it's just like, what's wrong with this guy? Right. Yeah. He starts having these weird like phantom pains for his old body, which is which is kind of cool, actually. Um, but it makes Bumblebee turn on the news. And that's where we see um, that Masterson has Bulkhead's body and is just trashing the city. And, and Bulkhead can like feel it, but can't stop it. Very yeah. Well, and we get a return of a reporter bot of news bot, uh, not oh. quite dead. His arms in a sling, a cartoonish. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, I, I wrote in my notes, what are we doing? Yeah. Well, I guess I, I missed that. I'm glad that they didn't outright kill him off. Uh, he's been repaired. So, mm-hmm, that, so mm-hmm. that makes me feel a little bit better. Which is better, I think. Yeah. 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 But now we have uh, Masterson is like breaking into the newscast here. He's taken over the channel. Um, he's calling himself the headmaster now. Nobody saw that coming. Wow, what a nickname <laughs> he's given himself. Um, so he takes over the TV channel and he demands, I thought it was a weird point, but they he's asking for $700 billion. They've definitely put like a definite monetary value on that. So yes. at, least he's, at least he's got like a consistent demand. But he asked for it delivered on the back of Isaac Sumdak. Was I hearing that correctly? <laughs> you heard that correctly. And that is that's upsetting for a number of reasons. It's it's almost I, I don't know. It's like, you know, I I do like that when they bring in these these human supervillains that there is a connection to the characters. And like, you know, we talked a lot about Prometheus Black and his rivalry with Isaac Sumdak. So I I like that these characters have like a, a very personal axe to grind, but then also just, I mean, again, some, I, I'm, I must be coked up on sensitivity pills or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what's going on with me, but it's like, there's, there's several things that I just kind of found upsetting in this episode. And that was yet another one. I, I did not care for, uh, for that line. And, but I did write in my notes, domination station. And I don't think anybody actually says that, but I think that's just kind of my, my uh, thought process on uh, headmaster taking over this, this power plant question mark. A solar fusion power plant is what it is. Sure. Sure. That he's going to hold for ransom for $700 billion of the long green, which Again, Tucker it's evil in this day and age. That's like asking for a kajillion billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you show like the this very computer graphics map and it has like a an an explosion to it. And it was kind of weirdly jarring seeing the the map of the power plant and the uh the the solar radiation core whatever right. all done like in like computer imagery yeah. it just it kind of it kind of i mean i like that it's there but it just it kind of threw me out of the narrative for a sec there i'm just like what what are we doing what is um yeah i like how this scene ends though uh with with optimus saying like pay him like i love that i, I thought that was a good transition i like the little twist of like well what are we gonna do we're we gonna come up with this money and he's like yeah pay him 
but it's like a winking Pam. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this. And I and I I want to do this bit so much that I actually wrote it down that I'm going to actually read from my notes because I don't want to mess this up. So it's so so Optimus is there with Isaac Sumdak and the mayor, and we know he's the mayor because he has a sash. Yep, you gotta um, get the you gotta get the mayoral sash in there. But uh, but it's like that ain't no chump change. What should we do? And Optimus Prime suggests the same thing studios should do to striking actors and writers dash all caps pay them exclamation point. Nice. Well played. <laughs> pay them. <laughs> but, yes. uh, uh, but as you, as you said, Optimus was just joking. So it's not a perfect metaphor. So, <laughs> oh, God damn it. He's a, he's a, he's a fucking Bob Iger situation. God damn it. Well, I fucked that up. Pay oh, him well. with a wink. No, I think it's a very good. But Optimus has a plan. <laughs> yeah. Very good, Mike. Very good. Really well. <laughs> no, I, 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 I do love, though, and, and this goes into my G1 score, where you see the, the convoy of vehicles to deliver the ransom. Um, Optimus has the G1 trailer, which yep, I, I really like. Oop, there it is. It was a cool scene of like you getting their wheels rolling up. I did really like that. And then it's sort of like a smoky. And then you got uh, uh, Fanzone in his trench coat up on the cliffside watching it. It's nighttime. Yeah. The lights are going down. Like there is kind of a, that was a really cool bit of animation. It's a cool shot. I mean, trailer or no, it's, it's a cool shot. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, then actually fan. So then later Fanzone is riding in Bumblebee and they're, <laughs> who insists on listening to the Soundwave song from Sound and Fury, switching it back and forth. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah. <laughs> Cracked yeah. me up. This is why I hate machines. <laughs> it's a little different. I think it's a little different. Uh, maybe I'm wrong from the, from the, how we hear it originally, but it's it is very different. recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way. And then we get fans on signature line. So drink for that too. Since we're not, yeah. can't really drink for the key anymore. We can at least still drink right, for when right. uh, fans on hates machines. Yeah. And, and and I lost track of this because I'm 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 a dork. Um, I I didn't piece it together because basically Bumblebee's vehicle mode is a scan of Captain Fanzone's car. So I lose track sometimes whether Fanzone is driving his car or if he's in Bumblebee. And I couldn't yeah. figure out if Fanzone just has has uh the same bad luck operating car radios as he does with <laughs> telephones but no it's just he he's in bumblebee yeah and i actually now i'm kind of realizing it like a dumb moment of uh this was supposed to be set up like so that you'd think these were real police vehicles right this was supposed to be like you know because he made the demand of the city this is supposed to be like a police processional i don't oh. even think i think this is like these aren't Autobots. And I think that's how they're going to Trojan horse them their way into uh, Masterson's lair. I think you're right. And I totally missed that. Yeah. So the trailer adds up. The, the, the vehicles are so on model, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know, because, because, and, and we're also used to the Autobots not being in disguise, right? I mean, they're, right. they're just out. So, yeah, you know, if I see a, a fire truck, a motorcycle, an ambulance, a SWAT vehicle, and a little yellow car, I don't think that they're going to be innocuous police vehicles. It's the Autobots. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, either way it works because they, they get into the base. The the gang approaches Headmaster um, in vehicle form. And the thing, I don't know if this is really that important, but it kind of blew my mind that uh, Prowl's hologram can step off the bike. Yeah. Right? Like that was like, uh, that's what I kept like fixating on during this, during this scene is that like, oh, it's not just like a, like a fake writer still image. It's like an actual little holographic avatar that he can project. Like, I wonder if he can actually like take it out on the town and like write tickets and like have it like go in and order a cheeseburger while he stays on the curb. Like, I wonder how far they can go with it. Well, yeah, and there is some degree of mobility because later on the the hollow avatar is shown putting his hands up also. Yeah, yeah. And that couldn't be like a programmed in image. That's something that was probably like, you know. Right. On the fly. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so there's that. And uh Psych Sumdeck was punked because this was their his plan all along. Headmaster mm-hmm. uh was you know, he now he has Sumdeck in his clutches and he's still gonna trash the city. Duh, nobody saw it coming. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone saw it coming because then they, they like double betray him because Sumdak tricks headmaster into yeah. checking the trailer um, where Bulkhead's head comes bull rushing out of the doors. Well, and, and this, this whole dialogue is, is, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you could tell kind of my attitude on it, but like, I hope your mileage is, is different, but like this, this whole thing where first, Masterson actually says literally the line you've been punked, which I mean, 2008, whatever, but like, I don't know if I like this or not, this whole dialogue that they're having back and forth. And it's like, and I'm going to trash the city anyway. And your labels, Sumdak systems with it. But then, uh, Sumdak later is just like, don't you want to count your money? Mr. Masterson, make sure it's all there. I mean, maybe it just speaks to uh, Headmaster's insanity. Maybe because he's he's so untethered uh, with reality, he's so he's he's so proud of the success of his scheme. It almost kind of doesn't matter whether they paid him or not. Like he and and I don't know. We we tell stories like that. I tell jokes like that where I'm so excited to get to the punchline that I you know kind of lose myself in it. And yeah. it's like, oh shoot, I I told the I told the punchline ahead of the joke or ahead of the setup or something like that. So maybe that's yeah. what it is. Maybe maybe he's just so coked up on his own hubris that it doesn't even occur to him to to count the money well yeah i think it's a little bit of that and i think it's just a little bit i i also like this part of it that maybe that it's a little bit of a commentary on that type of person that they're already sort of you know lampooning but um Mm. he's just so arrogant he's like it never crossed his mind that like they wouldn't pay me, um, you know, like right, he's right. so used to everyone telling him yes. And he's been the whiz kid, all these, like we're thinking of him like a villain his whole life, but really he's like rich kid, you know, never, never been told no, or that he's boring or anything like that. Uh, that, you know, he's just been, yes, every, all these doors are opening for yeah. him his old life. Why would this be, why would this be, a, he's never failed at anything. Why, why would this be any different? This kid certainly had the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. I oh, tell 100%, you what. 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I didn't think about it from that angle, but you're absolutely right. His is more from like a, a spoiled entitlement perspective, yeah. not necessarily a driven to villainy one. He's driven to villainy 
because of his attitude on life, not necessarily because he's like, you know, you could argue that Prometheus Black was kind of like driven to be a villain. This guy's just a villain because somebody told him no. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I think that's a really, I, I maybe that's just me projecting or maybe that says more about me than the show, <laughs> but, but I was like, that's how I took it. I was like, that, that to me was the most realistic part of this whole, this whole episode. I love it. And this, um, th- this gag with Bulkhead's head in the, oh man, I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, Bulkhead's head. Uh, but anyway, th- this, this thing with, with Bulkhead in the, in the back of the truck kind of gave me like a little bit of like a uh, uh, total recall vibes where it's like, you know, get ready for a surprise. Oh, yeah. Two weeks, you know, the kind of like the whole Arnold with the, the mask thing. Um, but yeah, so I wrote that down in all caps. Get ready for a surprise total recall. Um, but Bulkhead says something here. I don't remember exactly in, in what sequence it is, but he says something to the effect of like he wants his body back. I want my body back! And yeah. Uh, oh yeah, because I think that's part of the reveal. It's like, you know, get ready for a surprise and it's Bulkhead with, you know, somebody put his angry eyebrows on him <laughs> and he's just like, uh, much like Starscream's ghosts, he just wants his body back. Right, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good bit because it's also like, you know, if it if it had anybody else, especially Bumblebee, like there would have been a much more clever catchphrase coming out of that. Or there would have been a pun about heads, right, or something. But Bulkhead's just like, body back, please. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It's the business, no fucking around with, with catchphrases. Yeah, very matter of fact about it. So... Yeah. And then, right. And then there's this bit with the, uh, you know, headmaster retaliates with, with a uh, grenade barrage. I thought that was pretty cool. Actually. I oh my God. Bouncing around in, in my notes, so many grenades, all yeah. caps. And, yeah. and I thought I, in fact, it's funny because I wrote it as so many missiles and then I crossed it off and then amended it to grenades because all I saw was like the panel open up and it's like, boom, 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 boom. you know, g- giving me lug nut vibes there, you yeah. know, like, uh, you know, those, those, those poor, uh, micromasters at their work a day job in the Decepticons munitions plant, just making missiles for, <laughs> right. for lug nut got, got him on a lug nut clearance sale or something like that but anyway just like all of the things so i saw like all the all the smoke trails but then i thought that that was that was so freaking metal for them to be grenades yeah and they you, were cool, you get this right like the actual like yeah. artwork on them was like a little like you could get a lot of details on that i thought that was really yeah. really really cool uh yeah so then then there's this weird thing with like the turntable bridge up top and fan zone does what he does best and rage against the machine and actually his you know his technophobe temper uh yeah. actually works to their benefit because it activates the turntable and and gets it into place meanwhile headmaster's down there roasting optimus uh not verbally like he has been but with his head cannon, <laughs> a little laser that pops out um and then as i wrote that i was like oh head cannon that's funny that's like that's a lot of what we do here <laughs> Is that a button? I don't want to put headmaster on a button, but, no. uh, but, but I like that though. I, I, yeah. I like that. Um, I like that a lot is, um, the, uh, so headmaster has, has a line here where he says, the only thing more fun than getting toys is breaking toys. What a fuck. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, again, so, so this is the guy that had the GI Joe aircraft carrier and just like set his laundry on it. Right. Right. Now he's now he's like a Sid from Toy Story. 
Yeah. Right? He's like a much more, I mean, but I mean, Sid, you at least feel a little sorry for him at some point. Like you can kind of tell the life he's had. This yeah. kid's just a rich prick that also turned out like Sid. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Had so, everything. So yeah, why not blow it up? Dad'll, daddy will buy you a new one. Yep. Mm. Exactly. And so we're, we're counting down to overload. Um, and then it turns out we need to like replace these, these uh, uh, fuel rods. Oh, right. While this is all happening, there's a lot of intercutting. Like you've got Fanzone and the gang on the bridge. You've got Optimus uh, fighting um, Headmaster. He, uh, you know, he whips out the axe at some point. And then uh, Bumblebee with Bulkhead's, uh, Bulkhead's head still cradled in his arms. They haven't reattached it to his body yet. Um, but he says, he says a very hot rod line here. He's, he almost sounds like Judd Nelson here saying like, we gotta help Prime. Yeah. It was, it was very interesting phrasing and it kind of doesn't come to a lot except that we get a reprise of the bowling for bots. Lucky us. Yeah, I mean, I know I was kind of shitty about it earlier, but at least it's at least it's a gag that calls back on itself. But that's it, what um, I was gonna say is that like at least it's not like a wasted thing, or it wasn't just done for a bit. It it you know like everything, it ties back into you know the climactic action of this episode. At least yeah, that. exactly. It's it's not it's not unused, uh, but that doesn't work. And then uh, Prowl gets on the attack. And, you know, we, we thought we saw a lot of dynamic action from Prowl in the previous episode. And he um, he he gets to uh, let loose with some motorcycle action here. And we see um, so many rockets. So yeah. many rockets. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Prowl is one capable MFer, right? Like, yeah, like he is, you know. Bringing bringing the action in all these episodes, he seems to be like, you know, I don't think they appreciate that. Like he's doing a lot of the work here, fighting wise. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's um, is it here where uh, Headmaster drops the titular line, "Time to head out." Later, noobs. Time for me to head out. <laughs> And then, and then just, <laughs> and just kind of cuts bait and, and leaves. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, you know, I don't, again, I haven't messed around with the headmaster cartoon a whole lot, but obviously head on is very much a, a rallying cry for the headmaster. Yeah. So for, for headmaster here to say time to head out, I thought that was pretty funny. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, I also, before we get too far off the prowl thing, uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. I love the prowl fight scene. We get more shuriken action. That's sweet, sweet shuriken action. And it's good this time around. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and it seems like he has an endless supply of them too. He's, he's just, he's just whipping these around. It's, it's a rock, man. It's so cool. I mean, it's right up there with, uh, Optimus's ax and, and, and the wrecking ball arm. And, and bulkhead has a line here. Actually. He's like, as, as headmaster is escaping, he's like, if only I had my wrecking ball arm, I bring that bozo down to which Optimus gets this light bulb moment. He's like, wait a sec. I got a goddamn grapple gun. Poof. <laughs> which, yeah. which was kind of weird. And it's kind of weird that he says it out loud. He literally says something to the effect of like my grappler <laughs> or some such. Right, like that. right, right, right. Yeah. It's one of those. It's a lot 
this comes up a lot in this episode. It's one of those things where it does make a ton of sense, but it also doesn't like, it's just sort of, you know, cool. Yeah. I see, you know, you're sort of making bulkheads weapon uh, out of his head, but I also just said that, right? Like that's a weird thing to have, have said. So uh, I get it. It's, it's weird, but, but it works. It, uh, it, you know, slams into the headmaster unit and knocks it out. Um, And we get Bumblebee getting to, yeah, one last bowling, uh, where he bowls. I thought this was kind of a cool scene where he does the one last bowling move to like attach bulkhead's head at the same time as Sari's using the key. So it's sort of yeah. this in tandem simultaneous. Yeah. Thing yeah. Repaired. And here's where I, but here's where I have a little trouble with this episode because uh, it makes bulkhead's head go on crooked. Like the right. repair makes his head crooked. And I think it was done for a joke, but for us, old guys that are not watching the show, taking it too seriously, it kind of undermines, you know, the impressive ability of the key to be like, oops, you know, I was trying to sort of like retcon it a little bit of, well, maybe this is the key having a quirky sense of humor. Like, is it, could we say that the the key wanted to do it? But ultimately I was like, I was a little uncomfortable with that, 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 you know, infallible, uh, sacred objects. Yeah. Yeah. It's power you know, quirked that put the head on backwards. It, it's not a thing that you want to take the piss out of just for the sake of an easy joke. And it yeah. is an easy joke. And, and I kind of like it from a certain angle, like, you know, it's kind of a callback to uh, Chewbacca and C-3PO in the empire strikes back oh, where it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, he's trying to, it's like, it's like, and, and bulkhead kind of has the same awakening that 3PO does. He's like, Oh, Hey, so, something's not quite right. Wait a sec. I'm fucking backwards. You know, that, that kind of thing. Oh, I'm so so glad you mentioned that. That makes me like it much more because that's bar none, my favorite scene in like almost all of Star Wars. I really love that moment and I love that whole bit. And, and that, and that's a, that's a really cool interplay character moment between those two characters that don't really spend a whole lot together. So I, I like that they, they at least have that, that scene together because I mean, Chewie is a mechanical genius. And so I, there, well, maybe, maybe the key is Chewbacca here because I don't think that Chewie put three PO's heads on backwards because he's dumb. Cause he's not dumb. Right. I think he's fucking with him. Um, (laughs) so maybe, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, but, um, I also, but but I, I guess just to talk about that scene in star Wars for a second, Oh, sure, yeah. I, the funniest thing in all of star Wars, and this is why if you say star Wars doesn't have good humor, go fuck yourself because the funniest bit in the whole thing is when, you know, Han Solo's getting frozen in carbonite and it's the sad touching moment for everybody else. And C3PO just asked Chewbacca to turn around because he can't see like, (laughs) he's like, what's going on? I can't see. (laughs) The audacity of you turn around. (laughs) He has to see this. He, he needs to see this dude get froze. That's right. So weird uh, robot curiosity about humans. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, um, so, 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 um, before we get into the next scene, which, which is which is huge, and I want to spend some time here. Um, as as you had mentioned, you get the you get the head on collision, which I I just ah. want to stop the show to get that joke in there. Yep. Uh, but then, like you know, during this this reuniting of Bulkhead's head with his body, 
you get like, I, I don't even know what to make of this. So it's like, so I've, you know, again, I'm first time watcher. I didn't know anything about uh, headmaster as a character. I think maybe I had seen this, this uh, Marvel's Galactus looking head somewhere along the way, but I never pieced it together what it was. And I always found it upsetting that, it's piloted by a dude that that gets inside and and we've already litigated all that but this sequence here where with this dude inside the head transforms into like a little gremlin dude and he just yeah. kind of like yeets out of there i was like what the hell <laughs> and i i don't know why i find that so offensive that a headmaster that's literally the gimmick of the headmaster is right. that it's a head that, head turns, that turns into, into a, a little guy. Yeah. So I don't know why I found that so upsetting and off-putting, but like I um I was I was writing a ton of notes and like I I threw my pen up and put my hands up. I was just like, what wow. the hell? I just it just it just gave me the shits. And I I don't know if it's just because like he's got like gremlin energies like oh, and it yeah. just kind of like runs off it just i just found it really weird and and really uh really off-putting so i you know that's interesting because i really that's the part of this episode that i really liked and okay maybe maybe it's because uh well in in universe keeping it in transformers lore it reminded me a lot of like dominus ambus um and the ultra magnus mm. armor like it sort of mm. had that artwork to it but uh taking it out of transformers universe and into back into the anime universe there's this anime called gurren Lagann, and it's sort of poking fun at uh mecha anime um but there is a little head unit in that the guy kind of this guy the main character kind of pilots this little robotic head that pops out arms and legs and i feel like it's very much spiritually tied to that uh like I think that's kind of where they were taking this artwork cue from. So that to me wasn't that jarring. And actually I thought it was a kind of cool, cool little nod to another anime. And I think maybe that's, as I've said before, like this is something that this show is doing. I think, I think their whole thing is like nodding at different anime tropes a little bit. And so that would make sense to me if, and I, and I'm, you know, if, if Derek J. Wyatt had anything to do with this episode, I have to assume he's a fan of some of these like more classic animes. So he's probably taking a little cue from that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that so basically Headmaster escapes, but we've got bigger problems. The the solar power plant facility thing is set to overload and it's and it's going to explode Ooh, yep. and and everybody's going to get killed uh and there's only one way to fix it oh no if only there was somebody on the team who was eager eager to, to give his life to uh, <laughs> it just it just cracked me up because like i i wrote in all caps in my notes of course exclamation point um i'm referring of course to saying like okay well to fix the overload we have to move these rods back into place and i think it's it's either ratchet or isaac sumdak i don't remember who but one of the two of them says basically like well it's it's a one-way trip whoever does that is not coming back um a human can't do it and if an autobot does it that is that is it and immediately with no hesitation in response to that optimus prime i'll go 
I couldn't send anyone else in there. Yes, this is where you're seeing if you're a big fan of that version of Optimus, you're getting the Martyr Complex. <laughs> yeah. Martyr Complex Prime. Yeah, is there is there an opportunity to slip this mortal coil and finally get some peace? <laughs> Thank goodness, I could I could use a rest. Oh my gosh! And like, yeah. it's just so funny because like this Optimus hasn't hasn't necessarily been that guy. Th this guy wants to live, right. but he also is Optimus Prime, and he will sacrifice for his friends. So you know, even for all of my jokes that I make, this is, this is a very iconic Optimus character moment. And, and, and I get it, but it just, it just cracked me up that like, you know, he, that that's, that's like his first plan. Doesn't even, yeah. in, doesn't even <laughs> entertain any other options. It's like, yeah, I, I, I will go, but, um, but Bulkhead has an idea and I, I don't know how to feel about this. So it's like, you know, we get kind of like a reprise of the light bulb robot sculpture dude that uh, Bumblebee and Bulkhead built earlier. And basically they build a robot uh, 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 automaton to go in and and put the uh put the rods back into place and and the day is saved but i don't i don't know and and it's i i think my problems as i've been saying through this entire episode it's like what is the nature of these robots like anytime i see robots in peril it bothers me so it's like so when i'm seeing this seemingly lifeless robot pushing the rods back into place as as it's melting away it's kind of upsetting and i don't know how it's supposed to make me feel so maybe uh michael andrews kind of call me off the ledge a little bit how how do you feel about this this sequence and this re resolution well i wish i could but i also feel pretty uncomfortable with it and i think you know now that i've been peeking at tf wiki more tf wiki has a problem with it and fandom has a problem with it uh mm. it, it was not well received because it it raises i mean just from like a plot standpoint it raises a lot of questions right does the key grant life or sentience or is it is it was this just purely a mechanical alteration or did it or did it give it some sort of imbue it with some sort of spark right. or life or personality whatever just to be sacrificed i mean it's kind of a weird question that that we don't want answered um yeah. at the same time it's a means to an end so maybe they knew something that we didn't and they're just like well this is better than sacrificing the whole city if we just bring a sculpture to life um Right. I, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of it's that the the needs of many outweigh the needs of the few kind of a thing. So, yeah. So that makes a little bit of sense. But but it is it's disturbing because right because if you don't know for sure, you might be granting a soul to something just for the purpose of sacrificing it, um, playing God a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, or again, it shows that the key is not really doing the right thing or doesn't really have the moral compass that we've been introduced that it has. And, and that could be it too. And, you know, we could tie that back to the, the bulkhead head on backwards thing. You know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the all spark does, or the, the key at least have, have a wicked streak. I don't know, because yeah. we, I mean, we, we have seen the key 
act with a degree of willpower, but I don't think we've, we've seen it be morally gray before. So at a time where we've seen it allow bulkheads head to be on backwards for a joke, maybe, maybe it, it is a morally gray thing. And maybe the key is all right with that because the, here's the other thing too. We're we're in like minute twenty of a twenty three minute cartoon. We don't necessarily have time, figuratively and literally, to legislate the the life of this creature. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I like the callback to the sculpture work. So that so that that makes those things tie together, and that that yeah. works very well. I do like that. I do like that, but. I, I don't think I would have felt as icky. I still would have felt icky, but not as icky had it not been given life by by the key. That's that's the piece that really kind of sits like a rock in my tummy because what yeah. is the what is the difference between this thing that is sacrificed to uh, put the rods back in and the Dinobots? Yeah, well, there's a few takes here. For one, I guess. We've seen the key work for Megatron, so maybe so it isn't following any sort of uh, mm. what we consider a right versus wrong agenda. It's okay. probably playing a bigger game. So maybe maybe there is sort of that omnipresent, like that sort of Doctor Strange view of the multiverse that I know how this goes. I know what this moment needs to be done for the betterment of all the possible outcomes of this situation. Yeah, uh, maybe there's something yeah. like that going on. Um, but but at the same time, from the character's perspective, it's troubling because we can't even argue like they've seen the Dinobots now, or at least uh, uh, three of the people in that room have. They know that the key has granted actual Cybertronian sentience at this point. But I guess they're making a really weird call. But how about this, though? You can count on one hand the amount of Autobots that know that the Dinobots are still alive. As far as Ratchet and Optimus and anybody else outside of Captain Fanzone now, the Dinobots were melted down. Right. So, oh, right. So, so that, maybe that's par for the so, course for them. Yeah. So that kind of tracks actually. That I, I think we solved for X here because that 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 is the consistent thing. It's like, well, what is the difference between this thing and the Dinobots? If you're Ratchet, if you're Optimus, nothing nothing yeah so that's 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 interesting that's damned interesting but regardless it's it's still upsetting imagery to see this this thing be brought to life only to immediately sacrifice it and and um and then um you do get a really cool line from ratchet that that i do appreciate where again that this episode while i didn't like it it, it has that nothing is wasted, everything comes back around, where it's like, See, Ratchet, art can save people. Yeah. You know, with, with a Bulkhead saying that, uh, saying that to Ratchet. And I like that. One is kind of like a, you know, a thumb in your eye um, to that. But but then it's it's equally upsetting where you smash cut and it's the night of bulkheads art gallery exhibition thing and it's just this melted robot and i'm like yeah 
Uh-uh, I don't like that. Well, first of all, so apparently radiation, not a problem. Right, you Because know, right. I, I would imagine that, I mean, dude, I saw the Wrath of Khan. I know what's up. But, like, no, I I mean, if 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 there's enough to melt this robot, then surely that thing is hot with radiation. So oh, yeah. Like, people are walking up to it with their free champagne, and it's, like, boiling over the tops of the glasses <laughs> yeah. just being near it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, somebody call Imagine Dragons because this thing is radioactive. <laughs> radioactive. <laughs> nice yeah thank you thank you um but then you get you get another payoff where prime um understands art art is about feeling and this one makes me feel proud and so i i i thought that was kind of cool it's it so it ends kind of like on a weirdly nice button it's like i i feel incredibly conflicted about this episode because like the nice buttons it leaves on are nice. Like, you know, Prime learns to appreciate art. Uh, Ratchet learns that art can save lives. It's, you know, it's yeah. it, it's a very pro-art thing, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like wrapped in this, this uncomfortable wrapper that, uh, encased in this uncomfortable wrapper that, that I don't, I don't like I yeah. I did I did not like this episode. Yeah, there's well there's a couple office references I can make here because there is oh. actually an episode of the office that runs beat for beat with this show. I don't know if you're familiar with the office, but there's like uh, like uh, there's an episode where Pam has an art show, like a local art show and it 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 begins and ends a lot like this episode does. Uh, I bet there's a lot of like similar beats to it, but there's also mm -hmm. uh, another episode where Michael Scott has made a movie over the course of several years and the office finally gets to watch it. Um, and there's this scene that everyone's uncomfortable with. They're going along with this movie, but eventually they get to the scene that just makes everyone uncomfortable where Michael Scott needs to get come in first at this race and he doesn't, or Michael Scott's character in the movie needs to come in yeah, first yeah. at this race and he doesn't. Um, and so he kills the guy that got first place so that he's automatic, like by default, he becomes the first place person. And he okay. like chokes him, he chokes out the guy that won this totally innocent guy. And everyone's just like, Ugh. and the whole time I'm kind of feeling with that because things are happening in this episode that I like. But there's also this like, ooh, no, that's not right. That's very cringy and like not what humans do. Right. Yeah, it has uncomfortable implications because, I mean, I again, no disrespect to the memory of Derek J. Wyatt, but like I think maybe Hasbro should have said like either we're canning this episode or like go back to formula because it just it doesn't. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. I, it just it, it gives me like a like an upset stomach. Sure. I will say this, though. Remembering back, I remember really liking this episode when it aired. Sure. Like I remember thinking it was cool and it was funny. So I think with time, you know, I've seen it in a different light. But, mm. but at the time it was airing. And I imagine for little kids then, too, I wasn't at the time. But like, yeah, my takeaway now is definitely different from what it was. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I loved all the, you know, I loved all the catchphrases that Masterson was spitting. Like, it was it was more timely for that, you know, year versus now it's kind of like, ugh. But so maybe, yeah. like that. maybe the, the passage of time has changed our opinion on it. Yeah, well, and, and for somebody like me, I'm coming to it as an adult 
with a postmodern eye on it. So, right. I mean, so perspective is important. So, yeah, Ooh, I there's mean, there's a lot of art puns happening here. Postmodern perspective is yeah, important. Yeah, <laughs> We're nailing it. <laughs> Me, I'm doing okay here. I, I like this. I like it. Um, so, before we get into uh, my G1 score, uh, which I, I will say has changed as as we've uh, as we've discussed, um, I, I would like to revisit your your preview haiku the pre-coup if you will for for this episode because like there 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 was a line in there that that um that i really liked and i think actually kind of is foundational to the uh the change in my score do, do, you, do you happen to have that handy somewhere yeah. yep give me a second i guess do yeah. some scrolling uh yeah so it was a total ownage noob some deck gets a new intern g1 spinoff twist See, I, I, so I, I like both the the first and last lines of that because it's um, obviously phrasing on the um, tech speak, not uh, gamer speak, the the, yeah. the gamer speak of uh, of headmaster here, and I do like that earlier um, or later in the episode. Isaac Sumdak gets it back to him and he's like, uh, let me see if I can find it here. He's like, I believe the phrase is total ornage, noob. Some oh, such yeah. like that. Yeah. The 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 reference to uh G1 spinoff. And it was kind of funny because like once I in my first watching, once I realized, I mean, again, the 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 title headmaster. And not having thumbnails to to see that, I thought maybe maybe this is a sorry goes to school episode or something. Oh, I, I'm I, like I'm that like at Hogwarts, not at <laughs> I'm I'm that obtuse and wow. that dense. I'm I'm not even doing shtick. I I literally did not realize that we were doing headmasters. It went but, over your head. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> yes. Somebody consult the head detective. You know, since you know it. Since since we're just too far. No, oh, come on, come on. There's, there's, there's nineties. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, now, now we're trying, now that we know that folks like the, the nineties, eighties references, I got to throw some in living color references in there. So fo folks can get it. And yeah. I, I laughed way too much at that, that show for stuff that was not appropriate. I, uh, yeah, especially the head detective, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans, as as a Mister Potato Head man, where he's got like Mister Potato Head arms and legs under him. <laughs> he's the head detective. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I just I uh, that that was one that I wanted to come back to. Like like you had said, we're we're not necessarily going to come back to all of them all the time, uh, but but that one in particular, I I wanted to underscore how dense I was about the nature of this episode until I started getting into it. I had no idea it had to do with uh, the headmasters. Yeah, you were a little thick-headed on that one. Hey! Oh, 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 oh hachi machi. <laughs> Gotta stop. Gotta stop. <laughs> Gotta stop. All right, so with that, I shall reveal my G1 score. When I, on first blush, when I first watched it, I rated it pretty low. Um, I put it as a 3.1, but as we discussed more and I realized that there's more reference to the headmaster gimmick than I had given it points for, because like I, I looked at it as kind of like, well, um, sure. 
Alita One as a character in G One, but that is not a a true G One iteration of that character. So it's like the the reference isn't enough. I need I needed to kind of be like in spirit uh, more than that. So, but sure. really, you got you got stuff like um daniel you got the g1 trailer you know so so those are the kinds of things that kind of went into the my rating but as we um discussed and some of those specific points and references i bo- i boosted it up a full percentage point uh to a 4.1 is Ooh. my final g1 score for headmaster Nice. I would, I would agree with that. I think there, I think it definitely has some G one ness to it. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, the headmaster thing first went over your head, which is funny cause they like blast you with it right away at the beginning. But yes, um, I think, I think some of the beats are there for the headmaster. And especially when we get to the little, although weird looking transformation, I was like, yes, the head turned into a robot, nailed it. That's what I need. Yeah. See, and, and I think that's the piece that boosted it because I think it was the style of transformation that kind of threw me off also, but like it's a head that turns into the robot. So it's like, I, I have to acknowledge that I can't ignore that in a, in a G one score. Absolutely. So with that, let's, uh, let's dive back into the mailbag and get some listener feedback before, uh, before we call it a day. This um this was a thread of tweets from our buddy Stuart, who again is a part of the More Than Meets the Ear podcast, where they recap Transformers Cybertron, very similar to the way that we're going through uh, Transformers Animated. He had um he had some thoughts about our uh, two parter uh, about Along Came a Spider, and I liked the inside enough that I thought I would, I would share it here, um, kind of give it its own space. And because he, he waited to weigh in until he watched both episodes. So this dude waited a month to, to kind of give us his, his, uh, 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 take here. But, um, so he writes uh, back on June 20th. Uh, now that I've listened to both episodes, I have some thoughts concerning Optimus and Sentinel not going back in after Alita, I took it as they were relying on their training to get themselves out, much like H2S training, going into a confined space for rescue without proper equipment and training just adds another person to be rescued or retrieved. And I would assume either the site was off limits afterwards or a rescue attempt was made with no results. Um, I also saw some parallels to the MCU uh, with Steve Rogers and Bucky uh, between Optimus and Alita. Of course, Bucky didn't become the Winter Soldier voluntarily, but seeing a former friend you thought was lost reappear working with legendary enemies, it wasn't easy for either of them. That leads me to Optimus not being the leader we know from G1 or the hardened war-weary Prime version. I think the 80s kids saw Optimus as a father figure in a lot of ways, but this version is those 80s kids realize your father figure was just a guy who made a lot of mistakes, but kept working to be better. Other than that, I liked Loki. (laughs) Smiley face. (laughs) 
winky face. Um, so, so a couple things to unpack there. I, I like his take on the, uh, the winter soldier thing and it's, and it's really that rooftop confrontation in winter soldier where Steve throws the shield and he catches it with the metal arm. And you see, you see those, those, those doughy Sebastian Stan eyes through all the mascara and, um, and, and it's like, wait a sec. That's a, I think, I think that's, I think that's my long lost buddy there. So I, um, I, I like that. I like that comparison. Um, and I, I do also like the thing about the training as well. It's like, you know, if you're untrained, you put yourself potentially in more danger. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that take. I'm, I'm actually really glad that uh, he took that long to like come up with that and like, think about that really, you know, it's more thought than we put into it to be honest, but certainly uh, that's a great take. I mean, they, yeah. In an episode where you're trying to show like this flashback and show how, you know, they're in the military and they have this certain training and all this stuff is important to them and they're young bucks. And this is what, you know, that makes perfect sense uh, that, you know, that, that Sentinel was being sort of like driven by his emotions and Optimus, the, you know, the very by the book soldier was like, don't do this. Don't do this. Exactly. And it's going to help as we see, you know, just like with Steve Rogers, we're sort of seeing like, well, now I'm now I'm going by my heart a little bit more. Now I have the luxury of that. Whereas before I was just following orders. Yeah. Um, Okay. so um, the the last item of uh, feedback, I want to go back to our Sound and Fury episode, uh, the Soundwave episode. And and I got to say, I I'm kind of surprised that we didn't get more feedback on that. I would like to think that maybe it was so profound that, that folks found <laughs> no, uh, no, no reason to, to chime in, but at a time where, where folks are usually very animated, pardon the pun by, by what we have to say, uh, that, that one, um, uh, didn't really strike a lot of controversy. Maybe it's because like, you know, cold, cold takes, but, um, I, I, I like that version of Soundwave. Maybe, maybe if I had more problems with it, maybe that would have been, I don't know, more provocative or, or, or whatever. I'll be very yeah, interested or, to see. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was going to say, maybe it's just that, uh, they know how close you are to that character, the character of Soundwave. And they're like, oh, this might be, uh, off limits to comment on. Maybe, maybe. Let's let it pass nightly. But I did want to read a couple uh, tweets from our buddy TFG1 Mike, Mike B out there. And uh, I, I like this. Angry Archer is a much better character who is deserving of full episode treatment. Professor Princess, on the other hand, she could stick to her five seconds of fame. Yep. Got to agree with him there. He's uh he's also um excited for the hashtag respecticus lol. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a that that's a yet another Mike Seibert flub because like I forget what you called it like a retrospecticus, a, which is retro- actually uh, a Simpsons <laughs> reference. <laughs> So, so somehow in my podcast, Rummy Brain turned it into Respecticus. Which and you actually, said it with such uh, confidence that I just, I let it fly. I was like, yeah. maybe that is a word. I had a moment <laughs> where I was like, I think that it might be a thing. Maybe I'm fucking it up. <laughs> 
Uh, and uh, and we close out our listener uh, feedback here uh, with a uh, with a note from our good friend uh, Matthew Barbario. He gave us a nice review on the YouTube episode of uh, Sound and Fury. Uh, awesome episode today, gentlemen. I don't know who these gentlemen are, so called, but uh, uh, Mike Seibert, I am so happy you enjoyed this version of Soundwave. He is my second favorite version, beaten only by Transformers Primes. Uh, animated is quite different, but it's so good. I totally agree with cutting loose around your birthday. That's the time of year I'll buy two Transformers at Walmart instead of one. Yeah. Plus, plus maybe a bag of candy since my birthday is the day before Halloween, LOL. Want to talk about Spark Soul Brothers? Check it out now. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, between uh, he, him, Sorry, and me, we're all like uh, yeah. Scorpios. We got a little, <laughs> a little pack of Scorpios here. Nice, nice. Beware the venom. It's like, why did you sting me? Well, I'm a scorpion. What'd you think I was gonna do? <laughs> oh my it's gosh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my nature. I, I messed that one up. But um, uh, this can definitely explain Sari going back on saying she would cut down on key use. I also think it would have been great if Soundwave had gotten the ability to search through radio stations and one had been coast to coast AM, not having a robot designed by an alien playing a radio show that frequently talks about aliens was a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's great. That would have been that's, so cool. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I, I like that. Um, it's like I picked up on the reference, but in the wrong place. Because like I said something like, you know, sorry is going to get hooked on late night talk radio or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Never mind the fact that, yeah, a, a show that deals heavily with the paranormal and Soundwave being a paranormal, you know, I, th right, I think right. I think that would have been perfect. I th well, I think we forget a lot of times that these guys are aliens, like the, the, yeah. you know, Autobots are the aliens. So I think I wonder if a lot of more people, you know, you were saying earlier how they're kind of treated like superheroes and stuff and in a mm -hmm. way that Superman is, I guess. But, but yeah, sure. for, for the rest, there's gotta be some people where like, this is uh, the, the heralding of an alien invasion coming. Yeah, it's and it's kind of interesting. It kind of reminds me of a, a brief bit in Rise of the Beasts where uh, where Noah is interacting with Mirage, and it's like you know they're having this dialogue about like, um, well, hey, are you like some kind of robot or something? He's like, well, no, I'm 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 an alien. And, yeah. and and it's a great line with uh you know with Mirage really underscoring he's an alien first and a robot second, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which, totally. which I, again, I think kind of gets, gets lost uh, from, from time to time, but that is uh that is it for the mailbag uh, this time around. Um, if you'll, uh, if you'll excuse me for a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the other side of the room and find the light switch. And I'm just going to, you know, I, I don't know why the, 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 the light switch that turns down the lights also turns up the band, but apparently that's the system that we, that we work on. It is time for the, for the Michael Andrews preview haiku, a pre-coup, if you will, giving us a, a, a tease at next time's episode. Yeah, everybody set down your uh, mochaccinos so nobody does a spit take, but uh, here we go. My preview haiku, camp out gets sticky. John Carpenter's Transformers as friends turn to foes. Oh, man. <laughs> 
I, I, I predict, I make a bold prediction that, uh, that that's, that's going to be something I'm going to want to revisit because that episode sounds awesome, yeah, um, of which cool. I have not seen yet. So, um, mm-hmm. so look, look for that in, uh, in the future. Well, and, and that will do it for our episode 13 Transformers animated episode 13, uh, headmaster. Uh, thanks as always for hanging out with us and, and until next time, make good choices. And eat some pizza. And go watch that Ninja Turtles movie because there's pizza in it. I don't know. I'm actually feeling some anime. I think I'm going to go watch Full Medical Alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Our, uh, uh, my, uh, my, my metal romance. Alchemist. <laughs> yeah, My Chemical Alchemist and, and my, uh, my metal romance. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Goodbye. Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email, twomikes2furious at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mikes Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mikes Too Furious. Transform Fortress Maximus. Master Transformers. From city to battle station. Formus Formus form above us and destroy Fortress Maximus. But Fortress Maximus transforms again, this time into a robot so humongous a separate robot becomes its head. Its power's awesome. The Transformers. From Hasbro. <laughs>